so ready for this. <laughs> Your body is ready. The one thing I didn't set up. That's fine. Okay. We're live. We're uh, on the correct overlay. Excellent. First years will be filtering in shortly. Oh, man. That's amazing. What's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, live. have you, uh, I mean, while we wait for some viewers maybe to fil filter in here, have you, uh, have you been watching any horror movies? Do you do you get into the October spirit? You know, I do enjoy um, the concept of supernatural things, but uh, scary movies and and the, it, it's usually hard for me to buy it because I hate the jump scare. So it's got to be like a psychological thriller. I'm Fair more enough. like a Exorcist is scary to me than a lot of other things. Just the the concept. Yeah, see, I'm not a big fan of like uh, of jump scares either, and I hate torture porn. Yeah. yeah, so like the the saw and Hostel wasn't too bad, but like like that that's just not my jam. Um, no, I was, uh, you know, it is the it is my mephithon. I'm like I play all the horror games and stuff, but I tend to like shift the palette, like dial it up and down because you know, like Outlast, for instance, I, I freaking hate that game. It's just all jump scares and nothing of substance. <laughs> I'm like, I can't stand crap right. like that. All right, so um, if you're uh, tuning in live, uh, checking us out on YouTube later, uh, I'm here with, with Ty, uh, Fat Kid Sports on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be talking about tournaments. Actually, I saw a post by... Uh, uh, saw, saw a post by Plastic Crack today. Uh, you know, why even go to tournaments if you don't want to win or if you don't aim to win? And honestly, it just kind of reminded me of like a sort of like a personal quest or journey I've been on this last oh, year and a half or so of tournaments myself. And uh, I mean, you've probably been you've probably been grinding them out a lot longer than me. huh? Well, so not not too much longer. I, I kind of got into AOS, you know, right at release. And before that, I'd maybe done like a combat patrol or, you know, very small uh, one-dayers at stores. Mm -hmm. So with AOS came kind of my first foray into that year at Adepticon, the wild west of no uh, no comp and <laughs> um, craziness. I did day one of Adepticon and uh, promptly went 0-2-1, I believe. 0-2-1, <laughs> and one. so you had a, a legitimate draw? <laughs> well... Chris Broska and I, um, formerly, you know, the Skull Bros awesome podcast that him and Rotor did. Uh, Broska and I had such a fun time at the end. We're like, yeah, that, I mean, that was a draw. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So, bottom um, table day one. <laughs> bottom table day one. End of day one. Man. So I guess, I mean, I like to start out when I don't really know someone's journey into Age of Sigmar. Uh, how did you get into Age of Sigmar? Are you are you a lifelong Warhammer gamer? Are you a you know what how what was your yeah. journey like? I kind of had a uh, I guess an arrested development with um, wargaming. I started when I was pretty young. I uh, I was in a game store with my dad. I think I was probably twelve years old and saw Epic, which Space Marine, which I thought was really cool. Got in through that. It had Battle Masters, you know, the old Milton Bradley, um, GW. Uh, combo game mm -hmm. 
Um, and then played some 40k and fantasy battle back then into my teens, but then stopped pretty much when I went to college and got back in, um, you know, probably five or six years later, um, when some friends were like, Hey, we know this guy, he's, uh, one of the guys I work with brother and he's got this basement out in Waukesha, uh, where we play 40k and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Is this the basement of death? The the basement of death. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So about 10 or 11 years ago, I met, met Troy um, through my buddy Josh, and uh, the three of us have been, you know, wargaming and board gaming and everything since then. And and you have an excellent podcast all together, too, playing and slaying. Well, thank you. We, we definitely try to entertain, and it's mainly get together and catch up on what we've been doing. Uh, that's the fun thing about, you know, just getting, getting on the microphone, it's having conversations with your friends and talking about what's relevant. See that that's like what's my favorite sort of I guess genre of podcast is the conversation between friends style which is really what I honestly like inspired me to to start doing rantcast which is just my spin on that in a long form unedited chats a part of the show type thing. Um so yeah. you know th- thanks. I I mean your your show and it's it's like the Midwest has some great shows and yours is the one I, I watch every time it comes out, like it's always immediately out because it's not just about Age of Sigmar and Wargaming. You touch on like just kind of gaming in general and like hanging out. And I, I love that because I do think that like we've got these these concentric circles of interests, you know, like we're not just Wargamers. We yeah. love other stuff, too. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things, you know, when we think of like our gaming history, you know, and where we came from. It's not just AOS now. We do play all these other things. Um, And there's so much AOS content that's wonderful. You know, it's kind of like you're throwing yourself out there into a um, just a a very saturated world. So it's it's tough to be unique. And I I think what you've done here is pretty cool because it's, you know, it's a different format um, and a unique voice with the the way the conversations and shows go. So it's been awesome seeing Coach and, like, uh, Doom, you know, some of those guys on here and Bryce and Trist, you have this spectrum of uh, voices. It's really, I think, in, indicative of, of how, like, I I kind of fell into the community and how the community just sort of, like, reached back. I mean, it's intimidating, and this is relevant to our topic tonight. Um, hey, Joanna. Um, this is relevant to our topic tonight. It's really intimidating taking that first step out of like your your LGS or like your your basement or whatever, and out into a the tournament scene and 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 you know into a the meta and all those things. Like it's it's kind of intimidating. I think a lot of people's journey begins roughly the same. You play at a store, you go to the internet, and then mm-hmm. if you spend too much time on Facebook or 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 tga or anything like that you're gonna start it's gonna start to warp your view of what the actual tournament scene community is like you're gonna yeah you know the term i hate is whack you're gonna think it's just a bunch of whack tryhards just nickel and diming you at the table and that's just not what it's like you might i call it that guy there's like a that guy at every gaming store there might be a that guy in your region for tournaments, you know? Yeah, it feels like every 50-player tournament you go to, you're bound to get one in the room, which is, f- like, much lower than I think people expect up front. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, Joel. <laughs> Good evening. But yeah, uh, finish hearing your thought. So one thing that is, you know, just to talk about how I got in the tournaments and the AOS in general, our, our Milwaukee scene is pretty competitive in AOS. A lot of a lot of pretty talented players. My brother and I walked into our local GW here with the intent of buying a new 40k army when AOS launched. Mm. Um, but we saw the AOS. So this was the, this was the Dark Ages pre GHB, like when it was just Vietnam. Pre, it, it had just <laughs> it had just released. And, uh, we saw it. We're like, this looks kind of cool. Um, let's roll for it. Uh, one, two, three. We start new 40k armies. Four up. We play AOS. Um, so we roll the dice at GW. Got a, a five or six. Bought AOS, and we haven't gone back to 40k in the four years now. So see, that's see, that's crazy. That's awesome. You left it up to fate, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Fate, fate led us to Age of Sigmar. So do do just out of curiosity, do you skew more sci-fi or fantasy? I think there's. It's it. I, I, probably more fantasy. Um, I do enjoy sci-fi though, so it's mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm not hard either way, but I lean probably fantasy. Yeah, I, th- I think most people have like a slight lean, not necessarily because if you're you know it's sci-fi and fantasy, right? Is the genre we we kind of embrace, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like like I'm 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 aberrant, I'm weird. I love fantasy themes, but I always filter them through sci-fi. So like. I mean, you played in my one shot, like, there's a fucking dragon in the 70s, you know, like, I just, I like taking, like, the super weird, or, you know, like, where you, you super reality, essentially, is what yeah. I call it, like, where you, you just, you, you, you crank everything up, and that's why I really like AOS, is because I, I think it, like, it has that mythic quality to it, that goes a little too far, and, and so it's just, like, exactly my jam. Yeah. Yeah, there was a hippie dragon, it was a pretty great one shot. <laughs> It, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, Incidentally, I did one shot, Bryce. Uh, sorry, Leroy. <laughs> well, which is great because in in our home game, Bryce Bryce is one of my players in the D and D campaign. I uh, I killed him with a dragon, <laughs> like four nights later, um, instant death. So that's great. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> free dragon love, man. That's right. Um, no, so um, see, man, it's it's crazy because the more I learn about you, the more I see like a a strong a strong parallel between like our journey. It's like I also had that sort of arrested development too, where I went, you know, I, I started out in fantasy. I played up until I went to college, and then I, and then everyone played forty k in the college town, so I played forty k, and I just didn't play for a long time, and then you know now I'm back and it's AOS, so yeah. I missed out on the end times entirely. Uh, I did too. Um, all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait, what happened to the old world?" And here we are in the mortal realms. Well, it's so. it's, it's been fun per, for me rediscovering what happened because I feel like the, almost that journey kind of parallels like what a a character in the Age of Sigmar mortal realms might be going through. You know, like, well, what the hell did happen? You know, and you're kind of like running it back, and, and so it's like it's kind of been cool that way. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so back to the this tournament thing. Yeah. Your your first tournament then was was actually Adepticon. Like you just jumped in the deep end. Yeah, I hopped right <laughs> into the pool, horribly unprepared, with a mix of um, I had like Reavers, I had some Phoenix Guard, some Bolt Throwers, 
uh, five retributors. Like it was just a mix of order garbage that I had left over with some new Stormcast. Mm. Um, and I, I just, I got smoked. I, I played uh, Tyler Mengel and his Tomb Kings. I think round one got beat there, but awesome game. Right. Can't remember my round two, but Broskin, I played round three. He was running like chaos demons and it was just two guys having a blast rolling dice so right on right on so (laughs) so like um when you're i guess you're you're kind of like in the vein of like right between competitive and um like community guy like social guy when you go to game like right like I, i guess you just went four and one with Dest- you won best destruction at Nashville. You went four and one with IJ. Um, I was your golden trampoline to victory. I feel you, you launched me forward. <laughs> launched you right straight to the top. Um, <laughs> and uh, like, like it, you you managed to be social, have a blast, have some beer, like the whole weekend and also finished four and one against a pretty decent field. It was, uh, everyone has their moment. And I think that was my, my moment at the top. Like <laughs> that's know, it. It's all done. Ever be back. Um, no, I mean, so to, to be fair, I've been playing a Stormcast army that I did primarily as a hobby focus for Holy Wars. Um, and there I won, you know, the, the, like hobby hammer like trophy for it all the conversions everything i played this list your your id your pseudo idk yeah yeah the, yeah, the uh the, the fish eternals yeah. yeah yeah and it, it's not optimized it was models i enjoyed converting and um you know painting and then i i decided i've been playing against my brother's iron jaws for three years now um so I know the army very well. I just never used it. Mm-hmm. And I, I had some, you know, they were in a good place post General's Handbook. Um, the spell lures, you know, I I won the Giving them that and... teleport was a <laughs> yeah. big, big, big arrow in the quiver for that army. It That teleport won me probably three of my four games. Um, you know, just being able to launch forward and, and pin stuff in or grabbing a... a back corner objective when needed like, yeah yeah like uh ij tend to have like the jump turn and then beyond that they tend not to have much else beyond it and then once you you throw an at teleport so now your opponent has to screen prop they have to actually think about their their back line instead of just yeah. like oh I'll just chaff infinitely in the front no it's just no no you're gonna you're gonna play fair now um so it's just it's been it, it was a very good change um, are you sticking with IJ going forward? Like now that War Clans is announced, like they're they're going to be different now. I mean, it, it, yeah. there were some obvious changes. I haven't I haven't checked the tome yet. Um, when you do, I'll watch everyone's very fine podcast or on on their tome <laughs> reviews, and I'll steal all their ideas for my. Sh- no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, I that's what you do. And, and run it. I just listen to what Vince says, and I just say it differently. <laughs> Um, I think I will. So I, I started my own Iron Jaws army. Instead of uh, pigs, my, my Gorgrunters are Mangler Squigs. I'm uh, standing brutes on them like they're riding squigs in the battle for my cavalry. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, why buy a single kit when you can buy three? And 
Absolutely. Yeah, uh, just go all in. Yeah, <laughs> go all in. I have a significant problem. Um, significant problem. So with conversions or <laughs> the desire to yeah just take a bunch of kits and mash them together. See, I don't know that most people would consider that a problem. I think most people are like pretty cool with that. <laughs> well, it started with the Star Drake Leviathan um, conversion, and I haven't turned back since. So I'll see. And and here's and and this is awesome because you're buying the extra stuff for me because I'm like a kit. Like I'm like a kit bashes are sweet, but like I hate the like the force conversion points on like uh, paint score sheets. I despise yeah. that. <laughs> and so like you're doing enough converting for me, so I don't have to as much. Like I just like I'll put like stupid hats on like on a bunch of skele on like eighty skeletons and Nagash, <laughs> but it, I, I'm of the mind that if you like the aesthetic of an army, you're like usually when you get into an army, you like its aesthetic as it is, and. Games Workshop has professional fucking sculptors doing a great goddamn job making those awesome things. And I'm like, and here I am, I'm just like, no fucking art degree, like, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm gonna fucking chop heads off models and smash them together. Like, don't... Yeah. <laughs> so, so you got that covered. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. And I mean, that was my thing this beginning of this year, like, going into Holy Wars, I said, okay, I've, I've done, like my death army i got it painted to a decent standard but i want to just apply myself and go you know totally overboard so i spent three months um bryce kept me from quitting probably 17 times uh to get that army done uh, as my like hobby coach mm -hmm. um, and had a blast with it yeah so, bryce is a real like i i called him a hobby hero and he was just like he looked surprised and he's like what yeah dude you are like you're you 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 keep a not only do you like keep people going but like you also put up like good like you have good art and then you keep people going that is the definition of a hero you know people see your models online and you you actually your idk army won a trophy for a reason or not idk your your uh deep cast eternals won a trophy for a reason i that's the army i i, I when we grudge that's the army i played at mid what, midwest meltdown yeah yeah and I crushed you mercilessly. <laughs> so now we're you did. now we're batting five hundred against each other. The next one yeah, decides. The rubber match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next uh, the rubber match coming up sometime down the line. Mm. But uh, and then you know Iron Jaws was it was a list that uh, so Donnie one of the Michigan guys five would at Meltdown with that Iron Jaws list I I ran. Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to borrow the models from. Isaiah, the the boy wonder Ramchek, um, and you know it, was, it had to be the list because I'm a two and three, three and two player usually. That's that's my like sweet spot. Um, well, and this and this, oh, we'll finish your thought and then uh, and then we'll talk. Uh, I'll kind of segue into this this plastic crack ad. I, I'm just gonna so, say crack because I think that's the intended pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good with that. That's how I read it too. Mm -hmm. Peter Peter can correct us at some point in time yeah i'm sure he's just like adding me right now just anyway uh yeah so you, you took you took the list and and so you said like it had to be the list and and this is uh where i'm going to agree and disagree simultaneously because uh you know conversation possesses nuance um i think that you know i i, I always talk about like skill floors and skill ceilings right you know um so, like, as a player, you have a personal skill floor to achieve. Like, you have this, you know, you're climbing steps, and then you get to the point, and you're like, I have arrived, I am 
X amount of good, right? So you can be a three and two player, play a great list, go four and one. You can be a four and one player, play a crap list, end up three and two. And so I imagine that you're probably you hover around the three and two, four and one naturally, but then lists you tend to bring might might drag you down some, right? And then there's luck because it's a dice game, sure. Like we all have lucky matchups and so on and so forth. Um, but like there is. It's, it's weird because, like, it, it feels like simultaneously people don't want to talk about how important a list is to the game. and then But, like, everyone ha- is, has an awareness of filth. If you, you notice that, like, in conversation, they're like, oh, no, you can't. Oh, that's armies. Oh, that, that army's just fine. There's no such thing. And then, like, next they're like, oh, I brought pure filth. And it's like, well, which is it? Because, yeah. Because, like, at some point people don't want to admit that, like, you know, tools are important to get jobs done. They think that it's all the pilot, it's all the person, it's all on me. But, like, I don't know, if if the best slugger in the world goes out there without a baseball bat, but rather a 2x4, they're not going to get the job done. You know, tools are important to everything we do. Tools, technique, and time. Those are, like, the three T's of, like, exec- of being great, I think. Yeah, I... I tend to agree that you, you have to have, you know, tools to complete a job. I mean, it's, that's what there is to it. You can every so often, because it's a dice game, there's an element of luck that can skew, you know, it either way. And that's why you roll the dice. That's why we play the game. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's mitigating the risk of the dice with, you know, what, what you put in your toolbox, you know, when you unload your models, it, that that's ultimately what you're trying to do is put put chance in its own tiny little place where it's not gonna destroy your <laughs> your plans yeah um, yeah you're mitigating chance with it like a, a, a redundancy you know like building good redundancy into your list um you know extra re-rolls for this and and you know i've got all of the bonuses to where the die roll almost you know my move my charge i've got like a plus three off the charge so that the dice almost are becoming a lesser less important part of making a charge now you know like things like that where you're just you're you're mitigating risk along the way you it starts with the list building you know like and and so it's okay to admit that lists there is such a thing as great lists and soft lists and there's fluff lists and there's and there's the the gamut between it's okay to admit that i feel like we'd be better as a community if we were just like yeah fine but like and then the flip side of that is don't like so you've got your list and this this goes with in with one of the things i i like to talk about is like so okay now we've got our list and we understand that a list is a factor but now you need to like gain that advanced tier of knowledge and then look at yourself Mm -hmm. you know the player and go like, was it just the list, or where did I make mistakes? And it's those things are super important. The better you get at the game, the more you're able to realize, you know, when my play was the issue, when my list was the issue, when chance was the issue, right? Yeah, and, and similar to your own list, it's it's understanding what you're going to to come up against. Oh yeah, in the tournament experience and. That, that's at Nashcon one of the things that really you know helped me a lot is I played against two stormcast armies I played against the legion your legions list I played against free guild the same player I'd played the year before so I knew like, that is Tyler right um uh, uh, Thomas um, oh it's Thomas uh, yeah Thomas was on free guild and you played Tyler Emerson as well 
didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Tyler Emerson was my loss. I kind of overcommitted, learned a very valuable lesson that ended up. Um, well, you put the fries in. You put the fries in front of the burger, <laughs> or the burger in front my, of the fries. <laughs> yeah, my lunchtime coaching was keep your sandwich behind your fries, and I uh, I launched my sandwich over my fries <laughs> against Tyler, and he made me pay for it. So. <laughs> right. Sandwich being my maw crusher. My, yeah, my yeah, the fries being crusher. your screen. Yeah, yeah. them uh, hard boys. But, like, I played against armies that I was familiar with from having played them. I've played Legions. I've played Stormcast. I've played against Free Guild, which isn't something that you see a lot in tournaments these days. I think very soon that will change. Um, and then I played another Iron Jaws list. So I had that, you know, understanding of my opponent, and that helped me a ton, too, uh, where it wasn't like, oh, I've never seen New Slanesh before. Watch as they get 80 depravity points and roll me in two turns. You you dodged Slanesh, didn't you? I, I dodged Slanesh, and I didn't have to play any Flesh Eaters somehow. So. You, uh, I think IJ can beat Flesh... Uh, old IJ can beat Flesh Eaters, and I think new IJ got... Or not even new IJ. War Clan's got even more tools to like bring the monsters down. Uh, that's a just silver bullet in a half. Uh, freaking War Clan's book just going to poop all over Flesh Eater Courts. Um... I like that Chad has just invented a new a new term we need to get trending, which is a fac player, F A A C, fun at all costs. I love it. <laughs> so that, did did uh, Tristan coin that phrase? It it, looks like. it could have been Frank. Frank has oh, a Frank. Frank has a habit of like making uh making up great stuff. Frank's taking credit for that one too. He's taking so Frank coined uh, fantasy's fantasy, or it's a fantasy game of a fantasy game. And uh, now fact. So, Frank, I'm just keeping, man, like, I'm just keeping, it's almost like I should have you on this, this podcast at some point, uh, you know, because you, you keep coming up with stuff that's really intelligent. Um, like, I see, I don't, just like I have a problem with, like, whack, I think fun at all costs is probably a, is probably a bit of a lie, too. Because I think with a win condition, psychologically speaking, a human... In a game with a win condition, wants to win. Like, like even if it's a small part of you, like you, you're, you're aware. I and I'll go a step further. That if you're phoning it in against me and not trying to play the game of of Age of Sigmar, I become like a little salty at that because I feel like you're like babying me or not taking it seriously. And so I think that there's, but I I think that there's like a a happy medium that there is a that we can that none of these things are 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 are, are, are mutually exclusive yeah it, it comes down to what's your what's your intent and and you know to get back to the the article that we kind of touched on and saw on twitter today um it's having that objective you know what what are you looking to achieve is it winning a number of games, maintaining rankings if you're playing in a system in which that, you know, that's a part of it. Or is it going because that's where your friends are for the weekend? You want to roll dice? Sure, you want to try to win a couple games, but you're not going to be heartbroken if you go, you know, one and four. Um, you might be heartbroken if you go 0 oh and five. One and four is rough. <laughs> I can't, I can't, see, I can barely handle two, my two and three finishes where I'm just like, mm-hmm. like, I, but that, that you are a very competitive you've you've played in competitive scenes in other games to it's a true. high level. That's true. So like 
every every personality has that aspect of what are you here to do what's your what's your objective and you know going into a tournament mine's i want to win three games and i want to have a blast and, and make you know five new friends or play five people that i, I like to play all right um, tristan thanks for hanging out for exactly 30 minutes and then leaving as is your brand uh it says bedtime. <laughs> bedtime no um yeah no i i i think and that's the thing is like you're you go into these tournaments and you probably have multiple goals as a as a as a human you know mm-hmm. i wouldn't I, I I wouldn't go to Age of Sigmar tournaments as religiously as as I've kind of committed to for like the last year and like going into like I can, I can already I have commitments all the way out through next year already you know tournaments I'm signed up through uh, I have I have like me and uh, coach are already like have an agreement if he can make Midwest meltdown we're gonna be in the teams event together like it's it's like we're talking like planning stuff a year over a year out to Heck, I'm planning two years out because I want to try to make CanCon in the in the future, like in in two years. About it's like there's more, but like the thing is, is if I like travel down to Australia and CanCon and I go one and four, I'm gonna be vomiting blood on the airplane back. I'm just gonna be like, like I'm gonna because like I want to go down there and like and like you know and and. For me, my competition, and I think the reason why I can win sports trophies and people ha- can have great games with me, even though I have that competitive monster in me, it's there. It's it's pretty. It's you know I don't really like try to hide it. Uh, you know, when some like I'm not the guy who when you roll box cars to land the charge against me, I'm like yes, dude. No, that's never me. At the table, like damn it, and like but the thing is, I make it like like my persona the way i'm able to communicate that like yeah i'm upset that you rolled the 12 but like i'm not mad at you and you know like stuff like like it 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 comes across like because the reason i think that like my competitiveness is able to show through and people still have great games with me is because i'm competing with myself first and that is always my like initial competitor is me I'm not trying to go three and two against you or four and one against you or five and zero against the field. I'm trying to go three and two and four and one and five and zero for me, uh, because I have something to prove to myself. And I think because people see that that like that it's not them, it's me. They they re- they respond to it better than like if I'm just there to crush you and make you cry on the way home. It's a little it's a different type of competitor if that makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, and... No, I... <laughs> go, go on. I, I was just going to say, I, I totally hear that. And, and that competition, you know, it, it it's natural to have a desire to win. And I, I think when people try to hide that, that's, that's where the fake nice thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that so much. Like, I'm like, dude, I, I, I handed dusted David Griffin's uh, star Drake in our game. I'm going to bring it up forever. Um, he had that game. Like, Nagash is at half-life from shooting from Paladors, of all things. Like, Nagash is going down off the priority roll at, at Brew City. And I hand-dust his Star Drake off the table. He can't score the entire rest of the game. It doesn't matter if he tables me. I've got two points. He can table me. He can't score again. And he just, like, no! You don't need, like... Like, fake nice guy who's trying to hide that they wanted to win... Is gonna be like, oh man, that sucked. Oh yeah, oh man, great for you. I don't want that reaction. <laughs> you should be upset. You know, like you should be. Don't 
Yeah, you don't have to like hide that you're upset over me. If I I rolled that eleven inch charge against you, uh, uh, with my uh, with my grave guard, and like now suddenly it's like okay, maybe Andrew could steal his game for me. That's what I expect you to be thinking, and like to show in your body language. I rolled an eleven off of a nine. I needed a nine inch charge. I rolled an eleven. It was bullshit. <laughs> Furthermore, I needed exactly eleven to get in. Like it was. It wasn't even like I needed a nine inch charge because like the, how there was like a little weird wedge sort of amoeba of like how I had to set up and there was models inter inter, inter interjecting. Like I basically needed the eleven. Yeah, you had the you had the drop the the near perfect charge. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I, I I just like I'm not saying go out and be an asshole to people or anything like that, but it's okay to like have real responses in games in a competitive sense. Like even if you're there to have fun and drink a ton of beer and stuff like that, it's okay to be disappointed when when you lose and it's okay to be excited when you win and it's fine to feel your various emotions, you know? It's it's that there's a way to be courteous. You know, and there's a way you can take it too far and so on and so forth. Like, guy who shouts wah at the tournament, there's, like, fucking five of them every tournament. That guy? Like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> like, I, I may have shouted you're, you're, wah, like, no, two you're, or three times. No, time. like, you, you said it, like, once, like, at to me. But, like, the guy who just, like, uh, died, he, like, they had, like, a separate room for our, for, uh, for NashCon. And, like, I could hear wah shouted from the bottom table room. Like, the literal basement. Like, and, like, my fucking eardrum is ringing because I had, like, like, oh, man. I'm just, like, you need to simmer down, dude. <laughs> like, but, like, again, again, like, there's way, you know, being courteous and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's okay to feel disappointed at tournaments. But, again, I think this comes from that, you know, why even go to a tournament if you don't aim to win it? Because I think we have multiple motivations simultaneously as human beings at all times. Um, I'm a lot different in D&D &D as a GM because there's no win condition. My win condition is telling you my story. That's the win condition, right? If you don't get, if you fail the perception check, I really wanted you to make so I could describe how fucking awesome this thing is. I'm upset because the win condition in that situation for you, for my players is me getting to describe the awesome thing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Same <it's>... shirt. <laughs> Is that, that must be Bryce. Yeah. That is that Bryce. Bryce? He, what he doesn't tell us is he's probably wearing something like this. Yeah, he's exa he's wearing his BOD shirt right now. He's got his hoodie on, the one that looks like Fallout. <laughs> but um, when you talk about motivations for going to the tournaments too, like I think expectation weighs into it as well. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are certainly some people that go um, maybe to their first tournament or early on where they think, I'm really good in my home group. I oh. beat up my three friends all the time. I'm going to go win a tournament. And then they go two and three or one and four um, because it is. It's a higher caliber player. It, it's in. It's the repetition. Like before last year, I was playing maybe 15 games in a year. And last year I, I played close to you know, over a hundred games of AOS, like getting that the reps in and understanding your rules, your opponent's rules, like, that's huge. You can't, you can't have an expectation of being a tournament monster without going to tournaments. The timing, yep. yeah, going and well, that's and a huge part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you go to if you go to four tournaments in a year, right? 
five games a day, that's 20 games. The average player, even if you play once a week, twice a week for a few months, you're not hitting 20 games, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're not hitting 20 games against a diverse meta. You're probably playing the same exact three lists over and over and over again. There's a Skaven player at my local store. The poor bastards never beat Nagash. Like, <laughs> can you imagine the rants this guy must go on 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 freaking on like on on like Facebook or whatever about how busted Nagash still is and is like he damn well deserves to be 850 points. I'm like, you're my, you're like one of my hardest counters he, in the meta. I like. He has an entire subreddit. It's like Nagash, <laughs> Nagash hate uh, subreddit. Yeah, like the full subreddit. He just, he just spouts bile about death and hand of dust and yeah. And, I'm, and like, what? How much of an asshole do I look like? And I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm shelving Nagash, and he's like, he's never been. <laughs> like, he's just like ah. But like, that's the thing is like, is like, I can't expect that outcome at a tournament. Like, if I go up against, you know. If I go up against 10 Skaven lists, I should lose to eight of them. You know? Like, I just should. Because as skilled as I am, at some point, list does matter. It, yeah. It, I think it's one of those things where when you have players with equivalent skill levels... Yes. List, list and experience can, like... There's this balance where you give two players of an equivalent skill level heavily weight skewed lists, one that's, you know, very present in the meta and one that might have been, you know, the last GHB where it was. It, it was, was good a year ago. Good. But... Yeah. You're going to see the, the players of equivalent skill manage those lists in such a way that they still might have a good game, but one's going to have a pretty significant advantage in that matchup. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it exactly. It's it's and 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 so it's not it's not bad to talk about that. The other thing that then you have to recognize is that maybe taking the right list is itself a skill. List list management is itself a skill. Knowing what to build, what to bring, meta prediction. One of the reasons I talked to, I, when I was on Warhammer uh, Weekly for the meta, the meta chat episode, I don't know, like a month or two ago, um, was one of the reasons I love where I think Age of Sigmar is going is because you're getting to the part now where meta predicting is going to be a lot more important for figuring out like how to win tournaments, how to, the difference between a four going four and one and five and zero, oh, or three and two and four and one is going to become meta prediction because it's not just going to be, yeah, okay. There's always going to be like the current busted thing, right? Fine. Cool. Sure. But like, you got to make it out of the, out of the jungle, as we say, like you got to make it out of the jungle. You got to make it out of the, the middle tables to, to, to encounter that, that top list, or you get paired into it. Unluckily round one, whatever, like, but like, you're going to have to make it out of there to like go head hunting that top list. So what do you bring? And and do you bring the top list? Well, if you bring the top list, people are headhunting you. You know, do you build something to like beat the top list? Do you think you can dodge it and then build something that's great against the jungle? Like that that sort of that's what I really look forward to. And I think that's in and of itself a skill. Now we do deal with a game that has the meta evolves a little bit slower than some other games. In general, because we have the hobby hang up. 
It takes a while for the new armies to come out. We're not going to see the hobby hang up as bad with, with Iron Jaws and, and Cities. People have that stuff waiting around. We didn't see it with Skaven too much. Now, people weren't on the best Skaven list, but we saw Skaven in the meta immediately. Right. You're going to see that with Cities. And that, and, and that, and, and that's why, like, this, these two books coming out, OBR in the future, which, you know, we're going to see the hobby hang up with that one. The meta is in, like, a really cool sort of rapid, period of rapid change right now. Which is where meta predicting skills and, like, being able to, like, kind of, like, you know, put your finger to the wind and guess, like, okay, I think this is going to be really good right now. And, you know, if you've got two armies, three armies, or you've got the one army that you've, like, stuck with for a year, but you've got multiple kits hanging around. You've got, like, oh, this, you know, I was running Raptors before, I didn't quite like them. Well, maybe now Raptors are good in your, you know, storm. You know, I had the crossbows. Well, I pulled the crossbows out. I put, you know, sequiturs in. More sequiturs in. Well, more sequiturs wasn't the answer. I'm gonna, you know, if you have those extra models, and chances are, if you've played your list for a year, you do. Now you get to tailor your list to the meta. Now you get to, like, predict the meta because there's multiple threats there's multiple natural predators going around and that's awesome any anything where you see that like dynamic change in a in a short amount of time um i think makes for a more exciting um tournament experience and and just in general seeing more stuff out there seeing different lists i i think it was aos shorts that put up like there were, you know, three or four events over the last weekend or two, and out of top tens, there were something like sixteen different factions represented in these, you know, top tens, which to me is awesome, and I, I think you're only going to see that broaden as we get the releases of cities, war clans, eventually, you know, OCR. Um, like, there's going to be this infusion of rapid change, and lists left to adjust. Different factions will have better answers. Um, it's uh it's actually pretty exciting when you look at um, our community's ability to get new things, have fun and see success with them. Well, and, and you, you kind of skirted on another, on like one of the details I, I really like about this for like, you know, we have multiple reasons to go to a tournament, seeing other people's sweet ass armies. Like there, there's a, there, usually it's, uh, it's right between round one and two. I don't really eat lunch. I just walk around and take photos of everybody's army. You know, like, that's where I go around and I, I look at all the armies. It's actually between rounds one and two, usually. Because, like, you know, you get used to seeing your armies back at home and stuff like that. And, not, like, now it's you're kind of getting to the point where, like, I, you know, I, if I know who's at the tournament and I know... Getting to know about, like, 20% of people, you know, maybe 25%. Like, I, I show up, you know, a 50-person event. I probably know a good portion of the field at this point in the Midwest yeah. anyway. Um and, like, so, like, I, I get used to seeing certain armies, but you're getting to the point now where, like, GW has, like, infused extra armies and extra interest in kits. So, like, even the people who, like, were used to, like, Mark Ramchak, who you're just, like, you go, you're going to see Korn, you know? No, like, he's, he's bringing Skaven to Circle, Circle City and stuff. It's, you're, you're going to see these, like, you're going to see more armies. And just, like... Not just from a meta implication standpoint, but the the sheer enjoyment of of going to a tournament, seeing someone's take on what they think cities should look like, the colors they yeah. choose, the the basing, you're gonna get to see all of that too, and I think that's even better. Instead of seeing like 
what, the first Dragonfall, it was just like, it was Nurgle and Sylvaneth as far as the eye could see. <laughs> you know, like, it was just like every, like, it was like half the art and the room had to be that. And like, there was some great Nurgle and it's stellar Sylvaneth, which I think I, I gave my, like, favorite favorite army vote to was the Sylvaneth army there. Stellar. But it's still like, okay, I've seen all of the Nurgle now. I'd like to see, you know, you know, I, I remember staring at a Wanderer's army because it was like the only Wanderer's army I had seen in the wild in a whole calendar year of competing. I'm just like, is this Wanderers? You know, like the butterfly flies by, is this Wanderers? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that we're going to, especially from cities, I'm not, you're not just going to see like the Humans or the, uh, you know, the elves, you're going to see the dwarf, you're going to see it all. You know, you're going to see some stuff that, for me, things I had forgotten existed. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing people's executioners on the table again, because I love that model. I love the masks, yeah. the the swords. Like, I'm going to see those again. Uh, you know, Christian wears uh, Phoenix Temple Army, uh, which I've seen a bunch, but it never gets old seeing seeing those, you know, the, the Phoenix Guard and stuff, where you're just like, man, I forgot these guys looks that sweet. So... I'm looking forward to to just that from from tournaments going forward. Spe speaking of seeing some of those units, this is just a quick a quick off off thing. Oh no, it's all right. Jump down that rabbit hole, baby. <laughs> what kit? What kit out of all of those battle line choices and the the what we've seen possible in cities? Do you think would benefit the most from um, a reimagining? Because for me, it's it's Phoenix Guard, man. Like. All of oh, them man. The same way. It looks intimidating and cool, but there's so much they could do with that. I just I want to see like that kit get re redone. Joanna with the quick draw on the meme here. <laughs> that instant re <laughs> Is this Wanderers? Yeah. Um yeah, like um so like the Phoenix Guard, they look great. They really benefited from that book, too. So you're going to see them in not just, you know, Phoenix Temple-style lists. You're going to see them as, like, the battle line choice in whatever. The Rend 1, like, is a huge change to their already existing uh, profile. And no change to the 4-up, uh, the right? The... Yeah, they've still got... And they've got their, their, like, well, their double save. Their double, essentially, they've got their uh, after save as well still. The 4-up to the 4-up. Mm -hmm. Like what a oh man, they're yeah, tough. yeah, yeah. They're they're tough. Like what a proper battle line unit, just an absolute switch hitter like battle line unit. You can trust it to, you can trust it to be an anvil and like hang back. And if you charge it with something lame, it's gonna kick its ass. So you're gonna have to actually throw something intelligent at it. You know th yeah, that that's the problem with like ungors and gores and stuff like in Beast of Chaos. The thing that's awesome about skeletons, you know, when you, like, you sit there with, like, gores and ungores, you're like, they can throw, like, kin or five kinneri at that, and it's fucking gone. You can't do that with, with, with the Phoenix Guard. Like, you're gonna have to throw something real at it. So, that's, that's really awesome. So, what, what kit do you want to see get, get redone? What models do you think like, are ready for a... a like redone? an up, like a pure update? Yeah, that city, so... Focus on cities. We've got all these, you know, rank and file from old old days of fantasy. And people have done a good job with 
converting cities, which I think is awesome. But I mean, just out of the box, which one of those kits do you want to see get uh, get new models? I'm not going to say any of the elves because I fully expect, you know, we're going to get the Malarion and Teclas elves in the future as like new factions. Like I fully expect that to just happen at some point in the next year, two years, whatever. Um, great sorters. I want to see great sorters reimagined AOS style. Because they're already really awesome, you know, and the the massive cod pieces and feathers in the cap. I just want the new technology, our new sculpting technology, on that. You want better cod pieces? Better cod pieces. Like we can go a step further. I have been to the top of the mountain. I have seen Catacross's cod piece. Yeah. We can do better for the OGs of the cod piece. We, we know that there have been advances in codpiece engineering. Yeah. And we, we need to see them brought to fruition. <laughs> exactly. As well. Yes, exactly. We have seen we have seen the future of codpiece technology, and I would like to see that. Uh, great sorters. <laughs> on a, on, a, like, on a, a little bit more, like, grounded note. Like, the uh, the new tyrant for ogres that we saw with, like, the Ma tribes. Yeah. The, to take was already like ogres already kind of have their like cool like pseudo mongolian aesthetic that's like really neat um they're one of the more you know if you talk about like traditional like dungeons and dragons or like lord of the rings fantasy ogres are one of those things that i think are like they're kind of like it's not just like dirty lotr the way some of the other models in warhammer fantasy were for me where like you're just you're just making a dirty version of lord of the rings like dwarves and for instance come to uh chaos dwarves come to mind immediately like oh cool way to just whatever like but uh but the ogres they already kind of had their unique going in their own direction aesthetic with you know holding the huge cannons and they already had that and to watch that that tyrant get brought into age of sigmar and just like subtle nudges like with what stuff was on his belt and he's got like a i think he's got like a sigmarite like emblem like as a trophy and just seeing little yeah. things like that i want to see that for human models uh specifically uh the great sorters because they're just so iconic very very cool and i, I oh yeah two up sure. two up cod piece cod save piece. yeah two up <laughs> two up cod piece after save like they're just like ting you know like they do the captain morgan pose like yep. to block an incoming attack, like they, all of their bases have mo have have barrels on them, because and they're always just like standing on the barrel with the sword up over the shoulder and like, <laughs> <laughs> you fool. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to see what Coach does for a uh, cosplay at uh at CanCon. I you know I might be on board with the the speaking of reasons to, you cosplay as your army at the LGS. Eh, that's just a Saturday. You go to a tournament in cosplay, like, it's an event, it's, you know, like, it, it, come on, it's just, there's tons of reasons to want to go to a tournament, even if you know you're not going to win. You know, uh, if you're bringing your outdated list, fine, you know, if, you're, if your old list looks, you know, you've got a great theme, you've got a great story, uh, you know, you've got some nostalgia for it, whatever your reason for bringing, because I also see people insecure about their army right 
Or they, they're like, oh man, I, my army, my list sucks. And they go to the tournament, and they're like, I don't want to go to a tournament because my list sucks. I'm like, okay, well, you know your list sucks, so now you need to temper your expectations. It was one of the things you were already talking about, is expectations a big part of tournaments. Manage yeah. your expectations. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you pub stomp people at your LGS, you're, you know, the term is a local hero, right? You're a local hero. Well, you're going to go to a tournament with 50 local heroes. Congratulations. Or mm -hmm. 40 local heroes and 10 people who... Or like, hell yeah, man, this is tournament in my backyard. But, like, you're going to go to that. So, again, the competition's a little bit higher. So temper your expectations. But it works the other way, too. If you have the low expectations, where you're, oh, man, my list sucks, my list sucks. Well, maybe you need to sh shift your, your perspective on what you're expecting. Maybe you're not... Wins is just an irrelevant portion of going. It becomes about the cosplay. It becomes about, like, selling your army. If you modeled a great army or custom... Your, your army is just like, you're using a bunch of cool stuff, outdated kits that people don't see a whole lot. That becomes part of what you should, you should bring that into your expectations. People are going to get to see stuff that they don't always get to see. Yeah. You know. Unveiling of the army. Um, it's an, it's a great feeling. Like, you know, one of the things I love most about that Holy Wars experience with, with the deep cast Eternals was setting that army up for the first time to show people, you know, like, um, I didn't have any aspirations to win five games that weekend. It was, I want to show off this really sweet project that I like. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was a big part of it. Um, what is Bryce saying? Oh yeah. I, I was going to go own five. At, uh, <laughs> at Nashcon. That was my mantra on the, the well, trip down and the days leading up to it is I would not win a game, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, set your, I, I don't know, like, different people have a different thing that works for them. So I'm not even going to give some blanket advice for setting your expectations high, because if you fall a little short, you won't be super disappointed, or setting them low so that you can't be disappointed. I'm not going to talk to that, because we've all got our different things. I think, in in general, try to be realistic with what you should expect in terms of your win-loss. Um, but I think incorporate other other perspectives into what you wish to accomplish when you go to a tournament. Um, honestly, for me, a big draw is the community at this point. Uh, you know, on one hand, like, yeah, networking, sure, whatever. But no, it's really just about, like, I talk to people a lot on Twitter. Like, I engage with a ton of people on Twitter. And, uh, and to actually go and, like, meet them in person is, like, a big deal for me. Um, which is why I would like to propose something right now to the entire Twitter community. Change your fucking profile photos when you go to a tournament. And then do the thing that everyone does at every other convention and tournament in the world. Write your name and then at the tournament or whatever you're at and change your fucking profile picture. Uh, your model is gorgeous. I really, really love your... your, your, your your tire, your tyrants of blood, blood corn, bloodthirster. There, it looks amazing. You're right; it's 100% on theme. But switch it to a picture of your fucking face, so that when you're talking to me, and you're talking to me as if I should know you, and I don't know who the fuck you are, I can like, oh shit, you're this guy I talk to on Twitter all the time. <laughs> like, or or put your handle on your shirt, just like yeah, walk around with at fat kid sports plastered on my chest, right? Be like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like do that or cosplay as your model. So you, you could, if you cosplay as the model that's in your profile pic, I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> also cultist Chan is one of the greatest things to ever come from 4chan. Not going to lie. <laughs>
Yeah, cosplay as your avatar, that works. Oh yeah, and then and then what uh, Great uh, Table Studio says here is sometimes when you play things people don't see often. Yeah, I, I, for Wanderers uh, and and uh, Free Guild up until Cities, I used to call that like you can get a phantom win because of unfamiliarity. Um, if people don't know your list, and this is just kind of a, a big universal rule. You were talking about part of the reason you, you, you went for and won it at NashCon is because you played stuff you you know. That's a really important part of, of hashtag getting good at the game of Age of Sigmar is knowing lists. It's, it's literally in every competitive thing. Uh, MTG, a full 80% of being good at Magic the Gathering is knowing the field. Knowing the other decks. Because it's such a linear game, it, it, like Magic is very linear. It's you, you seven cards in hand, this many cards in deck, hidden information. If if I can play this, I play this. I tap the mana. I curve up. Blah 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 blah. Very linear game. Right. Like so, it's all about the field in that. Street Fighter, same thing. Knowing your matchups. Cammy usually beats this character. So if I play that character, I need to know that Cammy's gonna whoop my shit, or. I need to get good at beating camis. I need to learn new tech. Or I have to have what we call the pocket pick. Like you've got the pocket pick thing that beats cami in case you come up against one. But that all that's a skill. Is is acknowledging the field, acknowledging your matchups. And yeah, you get the with, with the obscure list, you can phantom steal a win with obscure lists. Yeah, yeah it, it can happen. And in the threat assessment piece of AOS is is you have to know what it is at deployment. Um, because when that unit gets in your face, that's the wrong time to learn, you know, how many attacks they have, what damage they do, what their rends like. Um, you've got to know that at deployment so you can adjust and adapt to it. And here's the thing is like, you're not going to memorize their army at deployment if you haven't played it before. So like, you're going to go into that, that threat assessment. I don't know how many times I've told people my entire list and then they're surprised when I do the thing I told them I was about to do because and it's not on them, and it's not on my teaching style. You know, I might be a terrible che teacher or whatever. It's information over... There's a lot of information in Age of Sigmar. Tons and tons of information. This is why the cheat sheets are so great, you know. Can we can we give a shout-out to yeah. the AOS Reminders? Um, yeah. That that site that, I think, is it Davis? Davis, Davis Ford. Ford. His, uh, his site is incredible, and that's study material that I'd recommend for anyone going to a tournament is to run your own list through that to take that element of full memorization out you know give yourself a study material for the night before and even run some lists you may see there through it just because it it it's incredible um yeah i know he's done just a, a great thing and i hope it's crazy how he keeps expanding it um so uh, he's got people get to his site and and back him yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Throw him some love. Um, he's got a uh, he's actually got a Twitter poll up right now. I believe it closes tomorrow, or uh, you know, uh, it's uh, should he work on some not Azir thing or do other features? And I voted for other features because, I mean, ninety percent of people really do use Azir or War Scroll Builder. There's no reason to go off script. Uh, there, there's really not something else those other those other programs are are using. What, it, but um. You know, different but not better, the way I describe all of Apple, Apple's products. Um, <laughs> uh, look for the look for the uh, look for AOS Rantcast on coming soon to iTunes podcast. 
Um, so I, this is my binder. I've I went to Gen Con, uh, the where I won my hammer. Uh, something I still have over Brendan that he doesn't have. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I went there and I didn't have a binder yet. I actually lo- lo- like brought all of my books with me there. Um, I did that one time and I'm like, yep, it's all going in a single binder. Um, so I've got, I have my pathetic personally written typed up cheat sheet, but now I'm switching over to the uh, AOS reminders format. Cause it's just, it's clean. Uh, it doesn't miss information on like my human brain does sometimes. And then, you know, I have my like, and I think about when I compile my binder, I think about thing, the question, like think of it like an FAQ for your army too. I put the information in there that I always get asked. Ranges on spells, casting values on spells, like, yep. you know, the, uh, lo- uh, you know, the, the locus of power, or, uh, what is it, locus of power or whatever on, uh, on Nagash when you double cast spells. People always ask how that works. You know, all that information goes in my binder. Deployments go in my binder. Um, because whilst I think I have them all memorized, you're always just like one second guess away from realizing you don't, you know, and then you start to second guess yourself. Like, and then you, okay, now you have to, like, measure physically. So, like, I keep stuff like that. And some tournament packs throw that stuff in there for you. Cool. It's awesome. But more information is is always better to less information. Yeah, like, you know, the tokens they do. And uh, last year when I was playing my Lords of Sacrament list, I had a lot of spells, you know, with not, not a Nagash level of spells. But Tony Moore, one of the UK tournament players, had an awesome, he had made magic the gathering style cards with all the spells command traits um you know the the artifacts from the legions book so printed those off and it's just so nice to put the card down remember you buffed that unit remember you did this you know managing your your game is is i probably have said such and such is 50 percent of your success but managing your game with resources like marking what you're doing having those cards ready that's that's a big part of it too yeah, and you, you shouldn't feel bad for doing those things. Um, it helps your opponent a lot of times because um, AOS is what we what is known as a perfect information game. Uh, you have all the information of Age of Sigmar. Both players are allowed to know all of the information at all times, right? It's a perfect information game. So put the information out there in a clean, concise recognizable way tokens are fantastic for that i'm moving uh, i'm gonna buy a pack of the uh, the resin wound counters because it took us it took a single like eureka moment for me to realize they're more efficient to like now i'm off of dice they're simply more efficient you know than dice dice get bumped you know dice get moved like it takes one time where i move my vamp my, my vlasda i move them and i set him down and i move the wound counter with him and then my opponent goes wasn't that a six before? Wasn't he down to six life? And I go, fairly certain he was at eight. Yeah, but wasn't it six? And then I just go, can I meet you halfway? Seven? He's like, well, I'll roll you for it. And which is like the same thing. And like, I fucking hate deciding shit on a roll. And I hate meeting you halfway on things like that, that we could have had perfect information on, right? We could have had perfect but like we play this game in real time dice get moved all the time and who's maybe i did forget maybe i was at six but maybe you're a nickel diming asshole i'd rather just take that entire situation that entire second guess 
one way or the other out of it, wound trackers now forever and always. Be- yeah. Then that next turn when you drink from your chalice of blood and go up to to twelve anyway, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. I mean, and Joel, I mean, you you've got like the the you've got the podiums and stuff to back it up. Um, but like I said, it just took that one die move, the one time one opponent questioned me on my die to be like, well, wasn't he had six wounds remaining? And I'm like, fairly certain he was eight. Yeah, but wasn't he six? And I'm like, God damn it. Now we have to roll, do a stupid ass roll off a 50, 50 or, and then I'm like, well, I'll meet you halfway. I'll do seven remaining. Is that cool? Yeah, cool. Whatever. I'm like, you conceded so fast. I know you knew it was eight. You fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe, I can't believe Bryce did that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, at at an LGS and that's another thing is like like at an LGS, whatever, it's six. This game doesn't matter to me. (laughs) But like at a tournament, it's not that like, again, I'm not trying to like, I'm not like it. I ask anyone. I, I've got the sports votes and trophies to back it up. Like I'm a I'm a player that you want to play at these tournaments. You know, I have people now going to their first tournaments wanting to grudge me specifically because they think I'm just gonna like be nice to them and like help them. Like, no, I'm an asshole. <laughs> no, you just hand and dust your toys off and make every time, cry. every time, and I'm gonna laugh the entire time I'm doing it. Yeah, that mod crusher had a great first turn. <laughs> it was five. I was being kind. He did not have a, a good second turn. <laughs> he didn't exist. <laughs> I was surprised I handed dusted him off, and it, it was oh, come on now. It's it's a f- it's a forty percent chance. Yeah. After every tournament I go to, Kyle uh, Kyle Knapp comes up to me afterwards and like, "What's the hand of dust total?" And I'm just like, "It's two, man." He was like, "Jeez, man, I had like 10 I'm like, "I know." <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you had 10. I had two. What's your game win total? Less than mine. Suck it. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's like, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think getting back to this and kind of rounding off this point is, is I think more information is preferential to less. And the big important thing is, is keeping it clean, concise. You don't want to, you know, I found myself bringing shit I didn't need to my first tournaments. You know, where you really think you're going to need all this other stuff. Yeah. And then, like, you're over-prepared, which is about as bad as being under-prepared. Because now it's harder to move between games. You're overwhelmed. You know, you ha- you're juggling extra crap. Your table's cluttered. You don't have a clean gaming space. So you- now you're, like, stepping on your own toes when you're you're moving models and you're deploying. So it's, it's just... And that does, I think... There are people out there who are who are organization, organizational geniuses. I am not one of them. Uh, my office looks pretty organized right now, but that's only because I know exactly where the frame is for my camera, and it is just shit pushed into the corners. Um, <laughs> like yeah, I'm, my basement's a hot mess. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you can't see much of my hobby hole. But yeah, it's a, it's a disaster yep. zone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know. So, like, some people are, like, organizational geniuses. Um, I'm not one of them. It, it's it been a trial and error process for me to re- refine my tournament going to, like, preparation. And it's still a work in progress for me. But I get a little, you I get a little cleaner every time. I ask for tips every time from people who just have a good system down. And you're going to incorporate what works for you. Uh, for Joel, the die that is a different color die that never gets rolled 
works. But for me, it's like, okay, it's time for tokens. Because I, whilst I don't just grab any die on, on the, on the uh, 40k table, or the Warhammer table, I'm not one of those players. Uh, there are players like that who just like, boom, I need to save now, and they grab the die and they roll it. I'm not one of those. But the token takes out that ever being a pop possibility. You know? The most you're going to do is mix up your tokens or forget to tick it up or down. So, um, I, you know, preparing, preparing well before you even go to a tournament is, is just something you don't necessarily think about if you're, you know, deciding to go to a tournament. Why should I go? Like, that, that's, you know, you'll figure it out, but just be aware that preparation before you even get there. How are you going to handle your game aids? Um, you know, I've started taking now, like, basically a tackle box instead of a dice bag. For all my it's, dice and markers and stuff, it's a good call. Um, it's been it's been, a, eggs, uh, <laughs> it's been it's been it's been a revelation. The minute I saw like someone on Twitter posted their little like looks like a like a toolbox with like dice and and objective markers and stuff, and I'm like, why the hell haven't I been doing that? And I know why because this dice bag right here, this is my D and D dice bag. This thing is. Older than my any relationship I have in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> friends, family members, this thing is ancient. And that's all my D&D dice. And that works great for D&D. But, like, D&D's not Warhammer. You know, like... No, it's not. No, it's not. It's The more organized you are, too, the easier it is to just let yourself get really drunk. Because... Yes! You mitigate your... Your Blunders. inability to organize later. Um... If you set it up in a way that you like, can just get hammered and then still make things happen. See, that's that's probably the most important point you'll take away from this episode of Rantcast. Is it really how can you get the most drunk without becoming a liability at the table? Because there's a certain first off, don't be that guy. You know, people yeah. talk about like whack nickel and dimey that guy. Uh, eh, whatever. There's, there's, don't there's become. Don't become drunk at all costs, player. That player's not fun to play against. I like I I'm from Wisconsin, so I take for granted how good I am at handling my liquor and doing things when I'm drunk. That like so, as you start to go out into the world and play against other people, you actually run into knock over your fucking maw crusher guy who's too drunk to like even move their models. That's not cool. You're like don't do that, please. Um you know, so like learn your limits, learn your limits in all things. That's just good life advice. Yeah. And if you don't learn your limits, just, you know, realize that you're going to end up sleeping under a table. Uh, Jacob Berry. Well, he, he <laughs> sleeps under tables cause he knows his limit. He knows his rest. <laughs> but he does, he does the nap and rally too, which is its own refined technique is the nap and he's, rally. He's a legend, uh, of the nap and rally. <laughs> you need to be able to handle your piss if you want to play Warhammer while drinking. <laughs> oh, wiser words have never been. Oh yeah, like if you're taking three piss breaks during the game. Joel, you know, you're my hero. Cheers to you, man. Yeah, Joel. Yeah, Joel will actually be on the show later this month, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. So we're getting like the friendly hunky dory tournament chat out of the way here, because then it's just going to be all ball busting tournament chat. How do you go? How do you become the whack monster you want to be inside? That'll be that'll be Joel's episode. Maybe maybe Joel can become my coach. Uh, 
how, how I get to five and zero. Oh. You 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 you've been to the. You see, you're approaching the top of the mountain. You're you're near the summit. You're at that last landing right before the summit. The four and one best in faction. Next is best overall, five and zero. Oh. How do you get there? Do you want to though? I guess. Do you want to though? Is that is that a goal? Oh, I, I would love to. I mean, I don't know that I play enough to get there. We'll we'll see. But once you taste that, you know, second overall, it's like, oh man, what what would it have been like to to go five and zero? I don't know that I'll ever get there. But maybe Joel or uh, is it Darren Darren Watson, positive victim in the UK? I saw he threw out like a, what do people think about coaching? You know, it's an interesting thought. Like, what what does it take to to get there for a, see, an average Joe like me? If if I'll I'll put. Darren, Darren struggled with like the moral question of like, should I charge to coach? And I'm like, one, uh, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. If, if people are willing to pay you for something you do, uh, fine. That's on them. That's not on you. You know, like, I don't think there's a moral ethic question involved. If someone's like, Hey, you know, I know you'd, you'd, you'd like, you'd write this thing for free. But, like, what if I hand you $10? Will you still write it? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I know that you opine constantly, but what if I pay you $5 for your opinion tomorrow? Mm-hmm. O- okay. Well, as long as it doesn't, like, compromise stuff you already want to do in your own life, hell yeah, take the money. Um, yeah. but, but then my, my bit of advice for that would be, like, is what's, you know, figure out what the difference between when you're coaching and when you're just like giving you a friendly tip or a reminder, you got to like, now you got to figure out a way to partition that off from, from other parts now, because it does become a, a job or a source of income, not necessarily sure. a job. And so once you, you factor that next here and now you got a decision to make, right? So I, I, you know, it is an interesting conversation. I know we've talked about why you go to tournaments and, and winning being a part of it. One, one thing, too, that, you know, I think we talked a little bit about, but the, the travel for us, it's we're, we're in such a great place oh, so here in the Midwest with opportunity for not, not incredibly far distances to get to a lot of events, um, you know, that and depending where you are, that can change things. There are certainly people that, you know, maybe in areas where it's much harder to get to events and you have to pick that one. But for us, going to tournaments is, is relatively easy not incredibly costly and once you have some you know some travel road road buddies exactly um, it uh it, it just becomes something that's a, a nice getaway chance to hang out with some friends and you know see some of these other other venues and other groups of people which is is a top top part of the experience too man that that's something i think we we take for granted here in the mid it would be easy to take for granted in the midwest i don't know that anyone in the midwest specifically is like just taking it for granted flaunting it all over twitter and like man i just went to a tournament every month suck it west coast like i don't know that anyone's doing that um but no it's 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 something that would be easy to take for granted because we do have so many like quality venues and tournaments you can go to a tournament a month and probably not have to drive more than six hours if you live in the midwest well mm-hmm. if you live like upper peninsula michigan fine but like but like if you're like in chicago specifically you're probably not driving more than six hours for a tournament in any direction 
Yeah, I mean, look at look at October, Circle City in Indianapolis next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Fall in the Chicago area. Holy two, three havoc! Weeks later, yep. And holy havoc! End of the month. You've got three major events in October alone. I already have one bet with you, Joanna. I'm not making a second bet. <laughs> I, I'm not a betting guy, uh, but but here we go. Um, yeah, like it's it's no. I mean that is fortunate, and the travel buddies thing is 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 super important. Um, I didn't I didn't realize how easy it was to go to a tournament last minute, which is like danger for future Andrew. Um, until like, it was just like, Oh yeah, NashCon. Oh, NashCon's got more spots now. And, and I'm, I was like, I told David Griffin, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll have to make next year. Cause you're full up. And he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, extra spots. And I'm just like, could I even make this happen? I asked out loud to just the void and everyone answered, oh, yeah, dude, ride down with us. Oh, yeah, like, we got an extra spot in our room. Just, you know, paid this portion of the, of the, tr- I'm just like, yep, it's that easy. Like, suddenly I'm going to NashCon. Like, it just, like that. Um, it's, but that's the thing is, like, that's the strength, that's on the strength of the community. Yeah. Like, that is on the strength of the community. It's, y- y- this hobby continues to amaze and surprise me. And why someone would be afraid to leave their LGS to go to a tournament. Unless you're that guy. Fucking stay at your LGS. I don't want you at the fucking tournament. But, <laughs> like, just fucking stay there. I, you know. And, and and the thing is, is, like, that guy gets his shit pushed in by, like, Relian and stuff. And then, like, quits being a that guy. <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, <laughs> so, like, like, we have, like, we have, like, police on the table that'll just wreck you and then like you won't feel like a that guy as much anymore because you're just gonna get destroyed you get uh, your that guy comeuppance right yeah. that guy comeuppance that's a, that's the thing we don't talk about is like that guy comeuppance happens uh at at the tournament scene too uh yeah so like it, it's just like it, it i i guess the question wouldn't be like why wouldn't you go to a tournament it's like how can you get to one now? Like, where's the tournament? You know, what's it, you know, you know, where's it, what's it going to take? Like you should commit to wanting to run and go to a tournament once a year. You know, maybe you don't live in the Midwest. Um, maybe your big event, you know, rolls around, you know, once a year and it's the only one that's accessible. So on and so forth, it fills up quick. Like, but you should try to, to make it a goal. If you love age of Sigmar, if you love the community, you've been spending time on Twitter to just be like, yeah, I'm going to commit and I'm going to go to a tournament. So just do it. Um, you won't regret it. Uh, temper your expectations appropriately. Um, align your perspective if you need to. Uh, and then just go. Have fun. It'll be a great time. And then why go if you're not going to win? The community. Connect with people you've been talking to forever. Um, an excuse to play five games in a weekend. Uh, an excuse to, if drinking's your thing, to drink and play five games in a weekend, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's do that thing that you want to do and have your expectations and then go meet some amazing people. The AOS community at large is full of just really a- accepting wonderful gamers that are... Uh, Except Bryce. To... Bryce sucks. <laughs> <laughs> The, the nicest, the nicest man, and literally the nicest person I think in the entire state of Wisconsin. <laughs> just like throw shade at him. 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah. Uh so I um we talked a little bit about rapid change, the why go to a tournament, and uh and now I wanna I'm gonna be a little bit of a Midwest honk for a while here. Um so I've had this this theory well, it's a hypothesis, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just I, Mephisto. He's just an absolute douchebag. He shits on Tomb Kings every day. Well, they deserve it. Uh, since uh, OBR got teased, yeah. Um, no, I'm. Uh, I think I own my persona pretty decently. Like, uh, I, I straddle the line between like '80s comic book villain and like actually a nice person pretty decently. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. No, so I have this thing I call, like, the Gygax effect. Gary Gygax invented, uh, you know, co-inventor of D&D. We, we can't say singular inventor. Um, you know, from uh, from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, uh, you know, basically invented D&D for his sick friend in the hospital so that they could, like, you know, because he was a war gamer, uh, chain mail, stuff like that. Um, and then they brought it down to the micro scale, which is D and D. So D and D and and Warhammer are, I think, a lot closer in relation than maybe people initially realize. You know, D and D being like super narrative, no win conditions, so on and so forth. Like it started out as essentially a, a minis game as well, a war game, uh, in fact. Um, and the battle map is basically a, an unnecessary holdover from those days. Uh, hot take for you D&D players. <laughs> Go theaters of mind's eye, you'll thank me later. Um, but I call it the Gygax effect, um, which is really just like why I think we do have such an abundance of gaming in this community, why I do think we have such an abundance of tournaments, and why I think uh, our players are of a, a decent caliber and why I think we're kind of obsessed with tabletop gaming as a region. Um, and part of it I call it the Gygax effect, but it could be related to the fact that our winners suck ass, and so what else are you going to do? Right. But drink and, like, go hang out in your friend's basement? Um, I guess what I want to ask is, is for you, like, you've got an intersection between D&D and Warhammer. Uh, where does that start? Where's that? Where did that start? Was it War? Are you okay? I guess to phrase it a different way, was it Warhammer first or D and D first for you? Uh, it was D and D, and without D and D, I wouldn't have seen Warhammer because I got that. It would have been the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Player's Handbook, you know, the the black cover, um, from a bookstore. Then when I wanted more books to add to the collection, went to a game store, and that's where I saw miniature games as a as a thing. I was probably. 11 years old or so 12 years old so okay. it's dnd first that opened that doorway to see that mini gaming and the the games workshop world was out there and okay. hero quest okay and like uh you can you can whisper if you need to but are you more of a dnd player or more of a minis player or a, a warhammer player oh man i um, know i think i get more enjoyment from playing role-playing games than from playing miniature games. Okay, don't unsub just yet, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, see that—that's fun. But then, like, so that—that see, I have this like this problem I have where like the D and D community, and it, it probably a lot of it's on me. Um, 
I don't feel as compelled to go and see and meet. I was really beaten up about Gen Con uh, this last year because I went the year before to Gen Con, and and uh, I can't imagine you you don't know what Gen Con is unless maybe you're you're like a international viewer or or listener. Um, but Gen Con used to be like Lake Geneva Convention. I know it's weird, um, but it it was in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It moved to Milwaukee, and then it moved to, to Indianapolis, and now it's Gen Con Indy. Uh, this would be the big D and D convention. Um, you know, they get thousands, tens of thousands of people through their door um, for their convention. It's huge. It's massive. It's probably the biggest tabletop gaming or tabletop adjacent convention in the world. Yeah, it's the, I think there's the one in there's one in Europe that's like bigger, but. Yeah, it's the largest like gaming event convention uh, in the United States and, and close to the world. Essen uh, is a huge gaming trade show in Germany. Yeah, and that one's bigger, but yeah, that gets more people. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this is this is you know one of the the world's largest gaming things. And so like last year I went to I went to Gen Con, and uh, I had that I finally had that feeling I had had. I don't know, 14 years earlier at an anime convention where I'm like, this isn't my scene anymore. You know, like, we're like, you know, you have these, like, moments where you go, like, this isn't my scene in your life. You know, maybe, uh, you know, my, uh, Molly's grandma had that with Packers games, of all things. Like, she just, like, doesn't go to Packers games anymore. Like, she was a season, perennial, uh, you know, lifelong season ticket holder, and then she just hit a point in her life where she's like, yeah, it's not my thing. And that, that has happened throughout, I actually went to Gen Con uh, last year and i just like went and i'm like man this is not my i played the eight one day or aos event on thursday and then i spent like the next three days just just in a fog wandering around aimlessly with like hashtag not a weeb that's right um <laughs> i spent like just that that time period like okay i you know, I hadn't gotten any tickets for any of the, the games I wanted to play. So mostly I just demoed games in the in the vendor hall all weekend long. And it was like, man. But what was missing was like a, a community from that for me. It was like I didn't... All my friends that I used to go with didn't go. Um, you know, I just went with, with Haywo, but then he, he played a bunch of Magic and traded Magic cards for the weekend after the AOS event. Um, and so it was just like, I just felt like a, like on a total island there, uh, which was like just strange because it used to be my mecca. It used to be my nerd Christmas. I grew up uh, in pretty much all over the state of Wisconsin, and uh, in in particular, like near Green Bay, it would you know I would go on the quest to Milwaukee once a year to go to Gen Con, and then it moved away, and then you know I didn't get to it as often. But it was like, oh man, this is the big thing. Um, and what I noticed was, like, kind of this lack of, uh, of, like, a community. Because, like, with D&D, as much as, like, we're talking about as a, in a gaming sense, like, I get a lot of fulfillment out of D&D because of the storytelling aspect. I'm a writer. I want to tell stories. I'm a storyteller. It's, it's who I am. Um, and, like, my armies tell stories in, in Age of Sigmar and so on and so forth. But, like, that's certainly not the focus. Um... And whilst I get a lot of, like, fulfillment out of D&D, I didn't get a lot out of, the, like, this community that I just didn't feel like I was a part of. And again, a lot of it's on me. You know, I didn't make those connections as strong. But I went to one Age of Sigmar tournament. Yeah, like, out of my LGS. I met Kyle. And he's like, oh, come to Dragonfall, dude. And then I met Christian Ware. 
And once I met Christian Ware, it was like, now I'm part of the community. Like, it, they they were joking that it's like a like a sales, like cold sales, like where they have like the, the opener and the closer and Christian Ware's the closer. <laughs> like, like, and like, now you're part of the community. It's, uh, it, it really is. And in Dungeons and Dragons for, for me has always been something I, I never really have done with strangers until like recently and not even strangers, like, but people I hadn't gamed with, you know, several times before. Yes. It's usually a pretty personal group. So like Gen Con, we, we have a group for 10 years now in a row. We've been going and there's double digit, you know, folks from our basement of death, like gaming group or that we know. So it's become kind of like a communal event. Everyone goes on vacation to play board games, role-playing games, you know, whatever, for five days. Right. Um, and Gen Con's so large that I, I I think it's difficult to have a community sense there because of how big and commercial it is now without bringing that or knowing people. Um, but AOS tournaments, you go and it is the community. You know, you're going to an event where that is the community, that microcosm of, of people is well, e- all people there to do the same thing. Well, even Adepticon, Adepticon is a pretty big spectacle these days, but you still go there and you're like, okay, I'm going to go here because I know Rob Symes from, you know, Honest Wargamer is going to be there with, with Nathan and I'm going to go say, Hey, how's it going? And play a pickup game with them, which did happen. Uh, Nathan Prescott beat me with his gits uh, in a pickup game. Uh, the, day before Adepticon or whatever. So, um, you know, like, like you actually go and you're like, okay, I'm going to look for these people, run into them, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm actually getting to the point where like with Adepticon, like I don't even want to play in the, in the 2k event because I feel like I don't have enough time to talk to people. But then I realize I'm like, wait, everyone I want to talk to is plays in the 2k event anyway. So that's a terrible idea. But like, <laughs> but like you, you, you have that, like, I, it, it's almost like the community does come first at that event. And Gen Con has become like a big, maybe it's too commercial. Um, if if you want to go to a convention for like role-playing games or like board games, this year you're not going to be able to because it's the same. Game Hole Con. Havoc. Game Hole Con in Madison is like small scale best RPG con in the world. And I would put a stamp on it and say like, 3,000 or so attendees, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, but a bunch of the industry folks, like people from Wizards, different D&D streams, authors, you know, it it draws this crazy, like, well, it's, amount of attention well, that's for a, a very small personal place. It's, it's, I think it's the, the true spiritual successor to the old, to the Gen Con I grew up with, is it would be mm-hmm. the way I, because, like, yeah, I don't know. It was just this weird, like, growing up moment for me when I went to Gen Con last year. Because I, had, I hadn't gone in, like, five years or something like that by that point. And so I'm like, I'm going to go back, and it's going to be just as great as it was in, in college. Just as great as it was, you know, in high school. And uh, I had been to Indy before. Like, one of my, my favorite Gen Con memories is Gen Con Indy. It was the first year they did Drunken D&D. Instead of rolling dice, you played beer. You basically played beer, beer pong as your, uh, as your rolls. And, like, the cups were numbered 1 through 20. Um, so you get the roll there, and then you had, like, a beer hand. You didn't drink from the cup. You had, like, a separate beer to drink from. And uh, I got hammered. Like, I don't even remember the adventure, but it was a blast. And uh, they did it one more year, and then they didn't do a year after that because people were getting too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, 
but like I, you know, I have those great memories from that. I, I don't know. It was just weird. It was, it was like, um, and like now it's like, okay, now I see all the GM meetups, and now I like know people who who work the vendor room and stuff. So like now I've started to make those contacts back up. So maybe next year will be better. This year I didn't go, and I felt like I I had that FOMO, the fear of missing out, emotion kick in. The the other thing too that's been pretty cool for me is I've got some friends that have a uh, a game company, um, Anvil Lake Games, out of Chicago, and I've gone to PAX Unplugged with them. I went to Essen with them, you know, to help work their booth and that's and awesome. Get trips out of it. So like Origins, you know, another big show. So some of these shows I've gotten to see from the the standpoint of you know the the companies that are there, and you meet people that way, you know, that are working. Um, you know, owners of different companies, designers, whatever it may be. And there's a really cool community feel to that group as well. The the folks that are working 10 hours in a vendor hall demoing games and talking to people that just want to sit and not play games and have a beer and like decompress after a day of that is, is another really cool side of things to see. Hmm. So that's cool. And I'm, I think I, it's obvious I come off as like a bit of a people's person. It's weird because I'm, I'm such an introvert. It's just, I'm a very personable introvert. Um, and it all deals with, like, when I deal with people for too long a period of time, I just need to, like, not be around people and, like, regain my my, my powers back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the end of this, this marathon I'm running on Twitch, I will be a wreck. Because I will have had to, like, talk and, 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 and have the persona on for such a long... It's not a persona, it's just me, you know, but I will have to have been me for a long period of time <laughs> instead of just like read a book and like go hide <laughs> somewhere so yeah it's a lot of time on I, yeah I, I like i call it being on when you're you know socializing you're podcasting you're at a tournament events you're running games like you come home with your family you have to engage and beyond there's there's not a lot of time to like to turn off and mm-hmm. you, you need that to to recharge and you know find recovery that that actually like ties back into a little bit of this this tournament question. Um, another thing, I I don't think people realize is is playing five games is itself kind of a challenge. If you spaced out five games, like five weeks, your record will probably look different than playing five games condensed, because it's hard to be on. For three games the first day, two games the second day. And then all the stuff that happens in between all the people. It's it's difficult to be on. Um, I'm, I kind of, for, for when Joel's on here, I kind of want to dive into maybe what he he does. Like, if he's got any tr- tricks that he does. Because you, you to be in that competitive mindset for that long, or personable mindset for that long, is draining. I get back from an AOS tournament, usually by, like, day two, I'm cashed out. Like in terms of like the the personable batteries, my my game fours are tradition. Unless I end up playing someone I know, my game fours are usually pretty muted compared to games one, two, three, and five. You you made the comment about me and my my trampoline, you know, at, at Nashcon, but that round four um, was was a sobering experience as well because I was I was. We had stayed up pretty late the night before. Oh God, yeah. And we had uh, we had cashed out a lot of energy um, with our our conversation and the uh, the associated beers that came with it. Oh yeah. Um, 
so like it was great that me and you got to come back to reality at the same time <laughs> during that game yeah but it was a it was a brain burner of a game and like you did kind of kickstart my engine i had to you know i had to really work for that one and um some of the sweat was hangover some of it was you know you're you're focused in a hot room trying to make tough decisions. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty cerebral player too. Like, it, you know, you've got different types of players, and I think I lean like towards the cerebral t- side of things, like wh- how I like, you know, I, I sit back and I think, and you know, and so like I'm, I'm not just push toward, push my models to the middle of the table and let's fight, you know, the player. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was checked out. I'm not checked out. I was, I was pretty, you know, that was a sobering game for me too. Like I had to, had to like wake back up and, 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 and get my process back under me and, and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, being on for three games and then two games and that first game of Age of Sigmar is always pretty awesome at a tournament. I think regardless of who you play, grudges are, you know, they're a thing and they're great. Um, and I, I've now I'm in the, I've got like a list of grudges out beyond what I have tournaments for at this point, which is <laughs> like a weird place to be in, except for Holy Havoc. I haven't grudged anyone for that, uh, but that's a team's thing. So that's a little different. Um, but I have like grudges out beyond like tournaments I have. I have like a queue for grudge matches at this point, but the game ones have always just been like pretty awesome because that's where like the game where you, you kind of have the nerves still, and then you got to get your nerves out the way. Uh, and like, for me, partway through game one, my nerves uh, go away, and like the like just the game takes over, and you know I like I can feeling like switching gears, like I can feel the gear shift, like in my in my like personality and stuff in that game one, and that's almost cooler than going a hundred miles an hour. It's the you know shifting through the gears and burning out like at the stop sign, like that's almost more exhilarating than like suddenly you're a hundred miles, you know? So like that, that I like game ones a lot. And then you go immediately down because then you go to lunch. And for me, I like go and snap photos of all the, all the armies and I talk to people and, and stuff like that. And then game two rolls around and like, okay, now it's serious time. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, so I have like my own little like ebb and flow to like how I, uh, how I go into a tournament and stuff. And, uh, that like, it's just, the game forces you to be social. And, like, even in a community of, of people who probably skew towards introvert, that 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 you have to be social with that game, you get to sort of, like, ex- explore yourself a little bit, your your own, men- like, your own makeup, and then you, you, you get to meet people. And you get to meet, like, actual people, you know, through their... Uh, mm-hmm through their rules and stuff like that, you, you actually really end up, my favorite games are the games where I'm almost not even playing the game because I'm talking to you. Like the game is happening. Cause I'm never going to slow play you that don't dick move. But like, like you're, you're like, it's like, man, we just like finished that game. And I was just like, I was just having a conversation the whole time. Oh crap. You know, shake the hand, sign the sheet. Like, Whoa, I, we had a game in there somewhere. Those are like almost my favorite games. So, um, yeah, that like uh, crushing my enemies and watching them weep. That's also my other type of favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> Total annihilation. Of yeah. Component. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, um, we have gone, uh, yeah, we've gone at this for a little while. Uh, I'm going to go grab a second drink 
This is where chat needs to wake up and we do our AMA session. This is where if we weren't live, I would, uh, I would have an actual literal break here. So you were smart. You can I see you reach off camera and come back with a different bottle type. Yeah, I've I've got Dragonsville beer ready to go. So see, that's tasty. See, I sent I sent Molly like you saw me looking down at my phone before. I was sending Molly a text message to bring me a drink, and she's just like, "Slow your roll," and I'm like, "All right, Lulu, <laughs> thank you." I asked nicely. It's just uh, not today. All right, so I'm gonna go mix another drink. Um, entertain chat. I'm gonna entertain participate cha in chat. All right, participate in chat. Or do you have a rant queued up? You can go off on because chat's oh, dead tonight. Yeah, I'll um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the narrative reason for going to tournaments. There you go. The narrative reason for going to tournaments. I'm, I'm gonna see how much I can offend anyone that thinks tournaments are only for competition. Okay. Fucking useless having a break on a live stream. Chat gang, yeah, chat gang went dead. Oh man! All right, so you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna so uh so you're gonna talk about the narrative reason for going to tournaments, but not yeah. but not go to to narrative tournaments. No, nope. There's a story to be told. All right, even even during match play. So there's a story to be told even during during match play, and now you have a few questions. Perfect. Now oh, this is I can go get a drink. This is wonderful. <laughs> I'm just going to answer questions then, because you don't really go to a competitive tournament to tell a story. Um, that was just a joke. But uh, so Bryce Bryce is asking, what's my favorite character I've ever had in a and d game? Oh, man, this is a loaded question. Bryce plays in my D&D games. Um. Oh, favorite character was uh, was probably um, this ranger named Rattle that uh, had a deck of many things and knew that that's how he was going to go out and continued to do it and went out that way. Um, narrative to win, I see that. Yeah, my, my narrative is winning games. I think uh, I've heard that before from Brendan, one of our local guys. He, um, he likes telling stories about how he goes to win. Is a hot dog a sandwich? It's meat between bread. Um, I mean, I think that's a, a form of sandwich. I'm also psyched for Warclans. I, I saw that out there. That's that's true. I'm very excited. Um, oh boy, eighty doesn't feel like enough. Maybe try a hundred then. Hundred twenty. Hundred twenty is probably good. Is cereal a soup? Oh my goodness, these are hard hitting questions. Um, no, because you, you're not eating your cereal hot unless it's oatmeal, and then it's probably not enough liquid to be a soup. So I'm going to say no on that one. This is this is good stuff. Meatloaf is bread and meat. Yeah, breadcrumbs go in meatloaf. That's that's true. You guys are great. This is uh, this is truly. Some of the best questions I've I've ever seen in one of uh, Andrew's streams. So keep keep up the good work. <clears throat> Any ideas for what I what I should put Andrew on the spot with when he gets back? A loaded question that we have to make him answer. Because I'm willing to make him uncomfortable. Slow bar. <laughs> Oh wow! How much does Tristan suck? Um, 
Tristan doesn't suck. He just has an early bedtime. Um, I I respect early bedtimes, but I, I don't understand them. I need the hours after my family goes to bed so I can do fun stuff like hobby and play video games. Um, so I don't understand how he maintains his level of uh, of coolness by going to bed at like 7.30 at night or 8.30 at night. How long does it take to get a bloody drink? A very long time, evidently. Uh, several minutes, in fact. I think perhaps he records from like a shed out in the back of his property. So he's got to go, you know, walk through the fields back to the home to get a fresh drink. Um, bone shed. Uh, yeah, so that's what I'll ask. I'm going to ask him about bone shed being worse than low ten. Joanna, that's that's a oh, that's going to hurt him, but I like it. Um, ten brutes with gorehackas or two squads of brutes. Um, I think ten brutes is going to be the new number you want. In Warclans, uh, I think with the reduced points, um, they're going to be they're going to be fairly good, uh, and I think running them in groups of ten is is going to be the way to go. <laughs> Save the non bone shad. Poor bone shad. He's you know, no matter what the his war scroll looks like, I think he's going to get a bad rap because um, you're going to expect he's got all these guys standing around him like the cool samurai and all these other things. And um, I I feel like, you know, people are going to expect great things from him, and hopefully the War Scroll delivers, but um, I could see it in, in trouble. Art Boys, I'm sad that I'm the 30 of them that I currently launch across the table are getting uh, one profile. I think the rend on the, the profile is great. But I'm gonna miss the uh, the math that had to happen every time I went into combat, where I had to figure out how many I had left of each type and roll the attacks separate and um, line them up in the right way. I'm still surprised he's not back, Joel. This is killing me. I really don't understand. Um, maybe he had the he had to make the the alcohol, so he fired up his still. He's waiting for it now. Um, oh wow, Bone Daddy is no Cetra. No, no, he's not. Um, I miss Cetra. That's one thing Tristan I I felt really bad for with the the uh, OCRC is that um, Cetra is truly gone now. Yeah, he probably is, Joel. Yeah, I think I hear him coming back though. So. No, I had to mix up uh, mix up a pair of drinks, one for me and one for Lily. <laughs> Cetra is just retcontra now. Oh, this is see, amazing. See, Cetra so. has always been a retcon. Has so, always been a retcon. Cetra real, existed real to give Nagash a better backstory. Finish your yeah, finish your point. So when when the chat was uh, was at work while you were gone, <laughs> I, th I think a question that you know we all have for you is how ready are you for bone chad to be worse than low tan i'm prepared <laughs> i am i am prepared uh so i've got this awesome space on my shelf right next to nagash my favorite character in the history of all of warhammer including 40k the game i don't play and barely know about kidding um including that other warhammer and uh and you know 
the ninth age and fantasy like of all time nagash is on the shelf for now and i've got a nice little space where i will be purchasing and painting up bone chad and putting him right next to nagash if all the heroes suck i'm just gonna be like salty death player for just a whole year and use what tiny amount of clout i have because i like to to influence just the the deep race to the bottom pri- points cuts on all the stuff that sucks. <laughs> we we don't need more salty death players though. There was a fair bit of those for a very long time. Really? <laughs> Were there? I think so. Before legions, there was a lot of salt in the the realm of Shai. It's because they had one fucking tome for an entire <laughs> grand allegiance yeah, for see, four years. Four years. They had one book. Can skeletons be 40 points for 10? Do you want to field that army? You don't. That's the answer. Um, Let me dump out my bucket of 4,000 skeletons. I don't think Mortec Guard will replace Graveguard because Graveguard are great. I think Mortec Guard will be... They they run... They are in danger of replacing other stuff, though. But Graveguard are good. Their their points are finally right. Uh, Being, you know... Priced per 10 models when they come in a box of 10 fucking models is the correct decision. Um, So there's a... There's... Like, I'm good with a lot of that. Um, See, the problem is, is the further we get away from LON having been a book that was released, the worse and worse that book looks. Because it was a band-aid to an entire Grand Alliance that set them up for failure in the future. Um, this was not even like a proper soup book, as much as I hate using the terminology. I mean, so much in that book is garbage. Of 25 War Scrolls, you probably see a grand total of five kits. Kits, not War Scrolls. You see five kits, because Hex Wraiths and Black Knights are the same kit. Like, you probably see five kits out of 25 entire unique War Scrolls in that whole book ever see play. That's a that's a fucking failure of a book. Um, and like, how do you fix it? Make zombies great again? Like, no. Like, you know, it's just they it, like other soup style books. They didn't get a new model. They didn't even have the courtesy new model in the battle box like Flesh Eater Courts and Skaven got. They didn't even get that. You know, they didn't get their their revenant the way uh, Sylvaneth got. Like, they just here you here it is. And then as a patchwork, they got Night Haunt, and then Night Haunt models got included into LON, and this is that slippery slope of sucking in the future that began. Yeah, I I think it started a process, though, that you've seen in their design strategy for... They've gotten better at it. They've gotten a lot better at it. And that, and that was an important step to take. Uh, I would literally do a revised LON. I would do LON 2.0. Like, and just, like, a cities-style book where you just fucking, you actually go through and, like, you change War Scrolls and stuff like that. Because there's stuff in there that's just... And, like, you can actually, like, retire a handful of models. Nobody's running Dire Bats. No one's gonna be mad if you retire that fucking model. (laughs) Oh, no, my... But my Legion of Blood Army... Yeah, your Legion of Blood Army sucks anyway. Make a whole new vampire army. The uh, like, 
I want to see the Vampire Sky Pirate army or whatever the hell crazy shit they come up with. I've seen how great OBR are. I want to see the Age of Sigmar, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, you know, Vampires army. I want to see the crazy thing they come up with. Steam Mech Vampires? I don't know. Whatever, man. Do something. Or Blood Steam Mech Vampires. <laughs> blood Engines. See, I see. I really thought that like that endless spells was just endless spells and terrain was just the two point things, and so I thought that they just that everyone was going to get them. And what I liked about that, uh, you know, there's a point counterpoint that you, a debate you could open up. But what I liked about that was a, it was a way to sell new models for old for armies with old models, like uh, Beast of Chaos. And Beast of Chaos got some new sculpts with their with their launch, which is, you know, great. But um you were able like now you sell me endless spells and and a herdstone, I have new models to be excited about. And new models as much as I I am personally not like I'm not the guy who's just like I seem like a hobby hero, you know, I I like the hobby aspect. I love seeing great armies. I just know that's not my like wheelhouse. I'm not good at that. Um This game is about models. At the like, whether you're you're a hobbyist or not, this game is about models and seeing the good models on the table. The reason a lot of the competitive players play Age of Sigmar over other war gaming that maybe has a more balanced rule set is because the models are just more spectacular here in this game. Because if you're if you're playing literal GI Joe like toys, like just old '80s GI Joes versus these sculpts. Even if the G.I. Joe game has a better balance, you're going to go play the one with the cooler sculpts. Because while you're playing it, it doesn't feel like a chore. And that's a problem. Is when you're pushing the thing around, just hating the thing. Like, it takes away from the enjoyment of winning. You know, this is why I think even the most nasty competitive player, even if you're a meta chaser or whatever... They they get they end up on an army that they just hate, and for that tournament cycle, they're not as happy as they were a year ago, or will be in a year a year from now, where they're just like I just I'm winning with, you know I don't know if uh, the answer was KO a little while ago, like I'm winning with KO, but I fucking hate Bubble Boys and Dwarves, and so you're just like you're winning, but you're not even happy, because it's about the models. At the end of the day, it's about the models, and if you're not a hobby hero. You can't even convert your models to be just the greatest thing ever. So you're like, to get it to a point where you're happy with it. So, quick question. Speaking yeah. of the, the models. Um, when Bone Reapers come out. Yes. It It is, it's been a while since we've seen a whole new model range. Oh. I'm trying to think of the last, the last faction. But, IDK you know, comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I, I kind of count Gloomspite gets because whilst they did get like old stuff souped in, which I think is that's the best. I still think that's the best book we got in that format, the future LON format. You know. Yeah. Um, but like they so, got a bunch of new sculpts too, and I I practically count them because all the Trogoths are new for the most part. The Boingy Boys, the the gigantic Mangler Squigs, the. Uh, the new fanatics. Um, I guess the fact that your battle line is still all the old stuff, so you can't quite count them. 
it kind of surprises me that they don't do more of that though. I mean, since at the end of the day, GW is, you know, they're a, they're a manufacturer of models. Mm -hmm. You know, I am surprised we don't see more of the books have, um, new, new kits, you know, like looking at, at cities, looking at war clans, looking at there's, they're doing a service to people to use their models, but also like, I'm, I'm kind of, maybe shocked isn't the right word but i'm close to shocked that we don't see some more variety introduced i mean you kind of do because i think they've used like shade spire and uh warcry as stop gaps like think of how many people run like even just like uh fleshier courts you know they just got their their yeah, the, their shade spire yeah. little warband or whatever. Um, think of how many people are going to go out and buy those new sculpts for their existing flesh eater quartz model. It's it's like it's just a little bit, but it's enough while they still clear out their inventory because nobody doesn't want the company that makes their game to not exist to keep making their game in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. nobody wants that except for old eighth edition players who made entire forums on how you were an idiot if you bought the Games Workshop models, and here are these proxies you can use that are cheaper. Um, except for those guys... Sorry, didn't mean to shit on Warhammer Fantasy Battle. No, I'm kidding. Don't don't, don't hate me. Actually, hate me. At me. Come at me, bro. Um, <laughs> prove me wrong. Your game's done. Mine's now a thing. Um, no, like, I, I think that they... They're still a business, and they have to do business stuff. And how many boxes upon boxes of Cities of Sigmar stuff do they just have? They haven't even run the presses on these on some of these kits in a long time. They just have them, right? Um, they, they're clearing some inventory, and as the inventory clears, you'll see the new sculpts. I just think that they, they've used Warcry, and they've used Shadespire as a way to infuse some new models in. My, my skeletons, for instance... I have shade spire. I, I I have two kits of the shade spire guys just throughout my skeleton my two forty blocks. So you yeah. look in there and you have these like ten points of visual interest. Um. Yeah, and like and Warcry can uh, Warcry can can tie it over tie people over a little bit. Um, it's just like they have these like they have these like from a company standpoint, it's a lot easier for them to like make here's a five model run then like here's an entire sure. new army well yeah and we're, we're seeing that on the uh the 40k side with how to... long sisters of battle have taken you know and what they're doing there to but re but to create an entire line to continue and kind of argue against myself they could just as easily do that with a city's release mm -hmm. because you could have had my magnificent new cod piece great sorters as a new kit yeah yeah, the cod piece shields, the two up. Um, yeah, the yeah the, the the two up cod piece save. Come on, let's be reasonable here. It's at least four. Y yeah, some <laughs> somewhere somewhere between two and four is probably where we end up. You know that elusive elite three up uh, cod piece save. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I I, I think um, and who knows? Maybe going forward we will, because. I think they shifted their focus a little bit. I, I'm not an insider. I, you know, 
all all the people who are insiders are very very good with their their NDAs uh, that I know. So it's like I don't have the inside track, but I suspect that they shifted their 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 business model a little bit. The former CEO before they got the round tree uh, up in there, uh, they 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 weren't going in a good direction with the game and the company, and they had to kind of take it back to basics and build a good game first. And part of building a good game first is making sure the stuff that's already in circulation is playable and good. Because you grow your fan base and you clear inventory. You know, those are important steps. And, Except for Tomb Kings. Well, <sighs> I mean, I, Tristan's not here, so I'll badmouth them all. I, no, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Tomb Kings, you know, I've got my Persona take and then I've got my real take. And Persona take is... Uh, good Nagash one. Uh, real take is it's a shame that they're not in the game because of uh, how successful I think War uh, Total War uh, Total War Warhammer is as a as a video game, and uh, it it's nice when people can play the video game and then come to the tabletop and go, hey, what's the thing? Um, you know that is like the thing in the video game, and then you say, hey, this is this. And right now, I think they think they got that with OBR, and so. People coming to this game who have never played Age of Sigmar or Warhammer, but play the video games, they're going to come into this game and be like, can I play Tomb Kings? I love Tomb Kings in that expansion. And you're going to go, oh, you can play Osiarch Bone Reapers. And that might get enough of them, but the true Tomb King player, I think, is the one that was left out in the left out in the rain here. Yeah. Um, because I, as not a Tomb King player... Look at them and I go, these aren't Tomb Kings. It's laughable that people call this a Tomb King army. To me. And then the the purest Tomb King players I know, like the Dan uh, the Dan Brewers and the, and the Tristans out there, they look at it and go, that's not Tomb Kings. And I'm like, we're on the opposite sides of the spectrum. And both of us are like, this is not Tomb Kings. So it's only like the lukewarm middle ground Tomb King player or the new Tomb King player that might be sated by that. So, uh, Awesome. I guess, and I keep hearing the it's because of copyright, it's because of copyright. But, like, I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer. That they couldn't get, they couldn't make it look pseudo-Egypt enough to copyright. And, uh, I just don't hold to that. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it would be, it would be great to understand you know, the decisions made uh, more than just, specu you know, outsider speculation, which this is. Um, I would, there's a certain amount of money I would probably pay to like sit in the boardroom and, and hear the, the why, you know. And I, I mean, we, we're, I, and here's the other part of it. For as vocal as Tomb King players are, how many are there really? Might be another side of it. Um, I was kind of talking a little bit ago. I don't know if this was on stream or uh, like during the marathon or something like that. Um, like why why do we see Beasts of Chaos players? Why do we see Beasts of Chaos players? Why did they get a book? Why did they get a book? You want to know why? Because their fucking models keep selling out. That's why they got a book. The They released that book. New Zealand and Australia could not get the models, period, because they were fucking out. That's why we saw Beast of Chaos models, or a yeah. Beast of Chaos book, because at the end of the day, they sell, 
And so you're a little bit of it's fan service, a little bit of it's, you know, lip service to the fans. But on the other hand, it's like, I bet you their models were moving. I bet you they were moving all the time consistently. And so you're going to take an easy shot at like every chaos army and kind of uses some beast of chaos stuff one way or another, or had at the time, uh, you know, cause it was a lot of G, uh, GA chaos and God marked stuff for chaos. And there weren't really chaos tomes. It was a real easy way to go. Everybody gets something early, right? Like Slanesh, you have a new thing cause you mark it and now you're playing Slanesh and you don't have a tome yet. Corn, same thing, blah, blah, blah. They could just do that. Uh, it was a nice way to like hit a bunch of stuff. I, I think that the stars just kind of have to align. I also think that multiple teams are actually working on stuff simultaneously i think that there's it's like a a series of tubes like the internet we all know from al gore's metaphor no i'm kidding um we it, i think have, you have product teams kind of that yes that modern corporate agile um you know feature teams are working on things in their own silo bringing them to fruition yeah and some teams get done before the other team and you you can you can you may make a little internal competition for who's going to try to release their city's book versus whatever book and one team doesn't get through their product testing that quite as quick and so I, I do think there's a lot of stuff in the pipelines and they probably don't have as many as many people on because they're still a small company um they probably don't have as many people on, like, as many hands on deck as they need to to bring all of these things to fruition. So, yeah, be a little patient with it. Um, I'm just really happy we're getting a full new model range. I'm yeah. just really happy we're getting a full new model range for an army I'm going to fucking play. Uh, suck it, haters. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, I actually feel terrible. I feel terrible because I didn't ask for this. Like, I was not one of those guys taking to the forums, when am I going to see my new stuff? When am I going to see my new stuff? So I feel the worst because I'm just sitting here minding my own business, trying to figure out how to retool my, like, existing death stuff for the future. I don't... Cool if you like... I do think Night Haunt... I really, really think Night Haunt has answers to the matter right now. We're just not seeing people play Night Haunt. For whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to run 120 fucking ghosts. But, like, spooky ghosts, not my thing. I just... I, they're just not my thing. I love skeletons. I'm, you know, big fan. Skeletons and vampires. Uh, and then, like, weird fucking corpse stuff. Uh, lo and behold, they just did that. Awesome. For me. Personally. Uh, <laughs> but, like... I've, I've got 2,500 painted Night Haunt and 4,000 in a box just over my right shoulder. And... Still in. 10 more coming your way, buddy. Um, <laughs> no collusion. Uh, <laughs> there's a... No, no, but like... so. But anyway, ghosts aren't my thing. They're just... They weren't my thing. So like, yeah, ghosts aren't my thing. Ghouls aren't my thing. And so like, oh man, I was really happy Flesh Eater Courts was like... For one week, I was really happy Flesh Eater Courts were dominant. And then I was like, not like this too far... But for one week, I was super happy because I like, I'm, I'm GA death pretty, you know, first and foremost. I just, when I got into Age of Sigmar, LON didn't quite exist yet. So I still think of it as GA death, you know, like I'm super inclusive. Hell yeah. Uh, all of us race to the top. Let's go death. Hell yeah. Um, but like, I recognize that I have my own leanings within model ranges and stuff and, and ghosts just aren't for me. And ghouls just aren't for me. Vampires are for me. 
But I'm still waiting for Soul Blight down the line. But like, I am all about the death rattle first. And I was fine. Like, I got my Graveguard back. I was doing just fine with my Death March list, my Bone Electric Slide list. Uh, Death March plus Legion of Sacrament. Actually, uh, se- seven inch hero movement skeletons. Let's fucking go. Like, having a lot of fun with that. Um, I was fine. I was patient. And then they come up with the thing that just seemed like a targeted shot directly at everything I wanted. And I'm like, I wasn't even asking for this. So, like, all those people who were, like, you know, I want a new dwarf faction. I want my elf faction. I want Tomb Kings to come back. I want all these things to come back. I'm just sitting there kind of feeling like a piece of shit. (laughs) And then I overcompensate by being super hyped up. (laughs) So what do do we get? What's the next new thing? Not not a uh, revisit, not an updated book. Oh, brand new model range? After OCRC, what what is the next shock that's going to shake the the AOS world? So, part of me has learned to just not even predict things like this. I can predict the meta way better than I can predict what fucking army they're going to come out with. Because when the IDK rumors started coming out, I it was what right around April Fools again, and fish elves have always been the meme for as long as Warhammer has been a thing. And they fucking came out. And I'm just like, huh? Who wanted this? And then, like, actually, like, the the I, like the sculpts are fantastic. Um, the people, the, the IDK players are some of the most, like, they're immediately IJ level of, of, uh, of, of loyal. To me, I think there's, like, a level of, like, levels of loyalty between factions and stuff. It's basically, like, IJ players at the very top with, like, dwarf players kind of close. But, like, just not quite. You can walk into a bar after an Age of Sigmar event. No, nobody there but no Warhammer. And be able to identify who plays Iron Jaws in the in the crowd. Like, <laughs> Iron Jaw players, or specifically Orc players, are Orc players, are Orc players. It's just a thing. It's, it's, maybe, maybe I'm being Warhammer racist here. But, like, like, uh... You know, like, the, the, the loyalties, of the army loyalties I find fascinating. I think Beasts of Chaos players are also up there. I am, so if death is my main love, Beasts of Chaos are my, uh, they're my mistress. Uh, I love Beasts of Chaos, too. And, like, and being able to just kind of be allowed close to that sun that is the Beasts of Chaos community, I could tell they're just, they're some of the most righteous dudes ever. <laughs> dudes and dudettes. It's fucking great. Uh, so faction Whoa. loyalty. Whoa, 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 Tristan, back in the chat. And we are back, holy we shit. Summon, we have summoned him. It was enough talk of Tomb Kings, he's back. Mm-hmm. No, um, Fizz, your, uh, physics, I love it. Good uh, good pun there, buddy. Um, yeah, I don't know why you didn't even get the... I don't know why War Clans didn't get the token, uh, you know... Warboss Shaman. Whatever, random. You have to buy the box to get the model thing that they did for everybody. The way Flesh Eater Courts got it, the way Skaven got it, the way Corn got it. Everyone got the thing, right? Like, I don't even know why they didn't do that. I don't know. I don't know why cities. My biggest criticism of cities specifically is that they didn't. When they did the handful of models thing that we all memed on, ha ha ha, it was really funny. Um, 
I speculated that they did the handful of models thing because we were going to see some new kits. And we didn't. And I was just, like, shocked. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot easier to print a book than it is to print some models. And bring everyone back to the table. Let them all play their armies again. So that's all I can really say. What's the ne But back to your question that I jumped down a huge rabbit hole on. I, what's I the what's the next thing what's the next out of nowhere thing we are going to see the celestial logic elves sooner rather than later um that slanesh is back is kind of a big deal for any elf lore and so i think we're going to see malarian and teclas elves sooner rather than later i think we might see it as a double book I like you, you. I I keep part of me was thinking it was really going to be dark elves and high elves reimagined. I think we're going to see a weird double book, like a yin and a yang book. Mm. You know, and like they're going to have like they might have like a really sweet mechanic where like when they play together, they're like one, they're one distinct flavor, and when they play separate, they're two distinct flavors. You know, like like a complete not Neapolitan, not like. You know, not a not like a a melting pot, but a little kaleidoscope of of crazy based on like how you build your army, like like anti synergies within like this this book, and then like a yin and yang sort of vibe. So I I think I foresee something like that happening sooner rather than later. That Slanesh is back, and uh, we had the lore story where where Teclis is essentially offering to bring in his boys, and Sigmar's like, no, we wait. Um. Makes me think we're going to wait, though. And you've got to be building towards whatever this new Dark Oath STD thing is. And so here's my, like, here's my, like, half-course bold prediction shot. I think we're going to see a new Chaos Faction. Something crazy. And I think it's going to be the next big narrative event, the way Soul Wars has been a pretty big narrative event, the way Malign Portents was a big narrative event. We're going to have some... Archeon comes back with his crazy new army. I I actually was going to say that. I, I feel like we're going to get what Warcry has built from a narrative standpoint to develop a unification of these, you know, Archeon's new legions. Yeah, yeah, we gotta get, we gotta get Zinch real quick, um, but that's more bringing the old stuff up to the new stuff. So we'll get our Zinch version of Slanash slash Blades of Corn, right? We'll get a Zinch. Nurgle's already got theirs. Nurgle's needs a rewrite with just some errata and some points fixes. The book's fine. They've got their new stuff. They've even got their their piece. You can throw in some en some endless spells or something down the line, whatever. But make their uh, make their their dudes explode on on modified sixes instead of just bring them up to some new language for that book and they're they're just fine. But what I want to see, see, I don't, I if we see Seraphon, and I do think we'll see Seraphon. It's gonna be another IJ. Uh, it's gonna be another IJ slash cities thing. It's gonna be the old thing being made new again. He, the question was, what's the new thing? Big like bold statement new model range cool thing we're gonna see and i think it's gonna be a chaos army next
And I think it's going to be Archeon coming back with, with Archeon's, like, new stuff. And one of the main reasons I say that is, obviously, Warcry. But also, you look like Sigmar's got the Stormcast Eternals as the new force for Age of Sigmar for humans, right? Mm -hmm. um, Nagash just came out with Nagash's new take on his main force. His, his elite shock troop. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes, with the Bone Reapers. Like, he looked at Sigmar and went, okay, you kept all those supremo heroic souls and you made the Stormcast Eternals. I'm going to take four pretty awesome warrior souls and cram them into one construct and, like, fight you fair up. I don't know that we'll ever see an insect army on account of Tyranids existing. But... Oh, I'd love to see juicers. Uh, juicers are uh, from a Rifts RPG I was talking about the other day. Uh, juicers are like uh, they're like Universal Soldier from the old flick, except like with tons and tons of drugs. It's great. So they're like Bane Universal Soldiers. It's great. I would love to see that. That would be awesome. Do that. Yeah, he's got to have Banes. Like he's gonna have an army of Banes and like Universal Soldiers that are chaosified. It'll be it'll be what uh, Chaos Knights. And like should should be, you know these these hulking varying guard foot troops. Oh yeah, like we're gonna. No, it's not like GURPS. GURPS begins with the word generic, universal role playing system. Uh, Rifts is the opposite of generic. It's one of the most flavorful things on the planet. Um, yeah, so it's um. I think that, like, that's my uh, bold prediction, tinfoil hat um, moment. I do think we'll get a new, we'll, we'll get new, we'll get the new elf range of sculpts, but I think that's, I think that's maybe a little bit further out than people want. All right, I'm, I'm here to throw questions at you uh, and, and make this a bold prediction uh, five minute segment. Okay. So I'm going to go back to D&D &D, so I lose everyone that cares about AOS. Yeah, chat's going to die off again. They're not going to pay attention yep. anymore. Yep. Yep, that's fine. That's fine because this is two dungeon masters talking about what they love and, and care about most, which is settings. What do you think we see? So they, we know we're getting an Eberron book. In the future, do you think we'll see another campaign setting come, come from Wizards for 5e or do you think we won't? What Wizards has done is they have reinvented their business model as well for, like, this digital age has done some stuff to traditional gaming. And when I say traditional gaming, everyone in the chat needs to know that, like, um, you know, I mean traditional board games that you still play on the table, right? Or not necessarily board games, but traditional gaming is, like, still table games with dice that you physically play in person, yada yada. Um, they've had to compete with an emerging digital market. You look at, like, MTG, uh, and, like, Hearthstone, essentially. Like, Magic the Gathering has... Their decision was to kill... Basically to try to kill the tabletop thing and go digital. That's their business market going forward. Whereas, with Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff, they've actually doubled down on the tabletop. Age of Sigmar 2. Age of Sigmar has doubled down on the tabletop. Like yep. it's it's fucking great. I love it. As a as a curmudgeon ancient nerd, uh 
Like, I'm not an antediluvian nerd. Like, those exist. But I am certainly a curmudgeon, like, progenitor nerd. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there's a... Um, D&D, what they did is they, they kind of got rid of the idea of a splat book entirely. Yeah. yeah. Like, they just got rid of it. And, and so you have, essentially, their digital version, which is the Unearthed Arcana, which is, I think, like, mini little splats of classes and things like that here and there. But it's all playtest stuff, stuff that they don't have to fully rigorously go into. Um, and then they've rolled in a lot of their new stuff into their adventure paths, their, their adventure books, their modules that you buy. And now it's got new feats in it, and now it's got new stuff into it. And they've been really diligent about doing that. And we have gotten campaign settings very few and far between. We'll see a new one. Yes. We'll see a new one. Uh, but I don't know what it'll be. They're not exactly one to invent something new out of nowhere. Right. But I could see, like, a... Because apocalypse settings are pretty metal... They've got Ravenloft, but Ravenloft's like a module for all intents and purposes. What I wouldn't be surprised to see is like essentially a Armageddon Greyhawk. Oh wow! I like it. That like I think we'll see a new setting, and what I wouldn't be surprised to see is like like Greyhawk. Like a, a Greyhawk Armageddon. Like, they, because Greyhawk was always like, you know, Greyhawk was very much the LOTR thing where, like, veiled that it's Earth, you know, like, very lightly veiled that it's Earth. Greyhawk was like Earth, except they made it their DD's version of fantasy. Um, but I could see them taking that and then just, like, punching it in the mouth and going kind of over the top with it. Because that's something that they don't have right now. They, you know, Aberon is. You know, that's their steampunk, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ravnica was weird out of nowhere, but I feel that that was more an attempt to bring Magic the Gathering players to D&D because that's not a 100% conversion rate, you know. No, uh, it, no it's actually pretty low. Yeah. yeah, it's a very low conversion rate getting the Magic the Gathering player to come to D&D. Um, like, it's weird because I feel like D&D players are more transient. They're more willing to go out and play other games than, like, other people are to come play our game. Do you think there's any room for what Cubicle 7's doing with the AOS RPG to bring some of the miniature gamers over to the role-playing uh, world? I think what Cubicle 7 is doing right now is stay the course, it's a great idea, because tabletop RPGs, and this kind of goes into, like, what Ravnica didn't quite do but i think could do if they relaunched it or they put a little bit more effort into it i guess that's why i don't think the ravnica thing worked very well is because i don't feel like their heart was in it it really was just to like the, like throw it out there but what cubicle 7 is doing is they very consciously realize that tabletop rpgs are the most the most pop culture they'll probably be for like a full like generational cycle you have stranger things and Critical Role, bringing people to tabletop RPGs in droves right now. Yeah, I mean, look at Amazon bestseller. Like, it's crazy to see the D&D &D 
player's handbook is like one of the top selling books out there. Yeah. Yeah. Because people have never been more interested in tabletop RPGs since the satanic panic and face it parents, uh, the satanic panic, blaming D and D for Satanism and stuff brought more people to the table than it scared away. Um, yeah. Sh- uh, hot take there for you. Uh, depending on your, a- your generation or age group. Um, the, uh, but yeah, this is, I mean, again, the pop culture right now for tabletop gaming, uh, you're on the the tail end of the hype for Game of Thrones. Uh, that hype is still there for, like, the people who are reading, but, like, it's about getting the pop culture fan, right? Um, you know, and nerd is, for the most part, popular culture, but there's still niche markets within that. And D&D and Warhammer are, like, two of the big, uh, two of the big niches. I'm happy you're catching it live, too, uh, Casual Hitman. Yeah, so um, I think that it's never been a a a primer time to do what Cubicle Seven is doing, which is you probably have a section of of Warhammer players who haven't played D anD D, um, but they're interested in tabletop, but they need something familiar because it can be really difficult to go. Okay, I'm interested. I I love fantasy, but I've never played. Like, I've only ever rolled D6s for Warhammer. And, like, yeah, I've played, like, I don't know, Monopoly and, 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 uh, and, uh, Catan- and Settlers before. But, like, to ha- have them go, okay, you know, here's 20 different dice, and, you know, here's all the different situations, and to, and to get them out of the, the, like, the if-then, you know, one of the, the most common questions I hear as a, as a DM is, like, well, what can I do? And then you say, what's the response? Anything? Right? Quantifying anything to somebody who's never played an RPG before is one of the most difficult things to do as a DM because they don't know the rules for anything. Mm-hmm. And so what I think Cubicle 7 is doing is they're they're striking while the iron's hot. They're doing it at the exact right right time for the cross-section between pop pop culture and niche culture. They're, they're taking that niche and they're bringing it into a game that will hopefully be communicable to the Age of Sigmar player who's never played D&D. And then that's the gateway drug into a whole world of tabletop RPGs for a whole new fan base. And so I'm, I'm a big fan. I think, I think Tristan's not a big fan and he wants us to talk more D and D is what I'm getting trolling effort in, in chat here. He wants more D twenties skill checks and saving throws (laughs) less war scrolls match play battle plans that's what i'm getting from his comments here yeah yeah i get that too he i mean i could just pan tk for another 30 minutes yeah let's <laughs> talk about cetra should we talk about how cetra lost or how cetra is a, a a stormcast eternal now <laughs> which 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 avenue <laughs> which one which one should we talk about i'm not okay sure. what 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 Sigmar what Sigmar hero would Cetra most be? Is he a Lord Celestine? Is Ooh. he a uh No, I, I think I think he's a Celestine Prime. The hammer man, right? Comes down with a hammer because he sits around doing fucking nothing and then shows up last minute and takes credit for someone else's work. <laughs> but he, he, he does it spectacularly. By choosing what results on a dice he wants? Yeah. 
Like, he just shows up, like, on turn four or five and, like, wrecks something. Yeah. And then he's got a MacGuffin hammer. Did we just get, is that a corgi emoji in chat? That is a corgi emoji. God, I love your chat. <laughs> Fantastic. You liked the D and D more? Of course you of course you liked the D and D more. Yeah. Um oh, so good. Bryce had a question, and I'm not sure if you answered it, but he like your favorite character you've had in a game so far. Did you answer that one, or did you skim over that question? I facetiously answered his character, his first right. character, right. Um, who I did enjoy. But uh, oh, which honest, game? Honestly, it's probably my brother had a druid that was in a a homebrew campaign I did that was kind of a seeker for these you know, part, parts of like a dead God that were stones that had fallen to the, the planet. And his Druid was like, he played neutral so well. Oh, neutral. Player. True. Neutral is the hardest alignment to play in D and D. I think he, he brought like this child, this boy to this horrible, like dangerous, evil woman. Cause he understood like she can keep him safe in mm-hmm. a way, but like the rest of the party vehemently against it. So there's, there's that, way a, a player plays a character that can add to that um so well so that's probably it nope not approved yet um <laughs> so which is harder to teach dungeons and dragons or age of sigmar fifth ed made it a lot easier to teach D mm-hmm. um but i think it's easier to get somebody playing D&D because of the role a Dungeon Master has versus being an independent player of a, an army in AOS because there's a lot of there's a lot of rules and understanding phasing which are much more complicated than, okay, you want to do this, roll this dice, add a modifier, and mm-hmm. somebody else manages the success and what happens after that. Right, right. Well, you have a referee in D&D automatically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have a referee, per se, in, in Age of Sigmar. Um, question from uh, from uh, Ballo. Uh, when will Vlad and Isabella return? Uh, Isabella should return. Vlad should not. Vlad's story is done. There's your hot take for me. Um, Vlad gave up the Von Karstein ring for love. To save uh, Isabella from like the Nurgle rot or whatever, because he found out that like he when he came back with the ring, he was fine, and he gave up the ring to Isabella for love, and uh, and thus ended his long story. He even kind of reconciled with the Empire when he went to help them out and stuff, where he's like, you know what, whatever. So like Vlad's story is finished, it's done. But Isabella was kind of a MacGuffin a lot of her life, and. I would like to see her have a real story. People are like, oh, Vlad should come back and have a revenge plot. Fuck that. What does he have to revenge on? He's succeeded. Isabella should come back with the revenge plot. Kicking ass and taking names because somebody killed her beloved. Also, the first thing she should do when she comes back is just fucking break Manfred's neck in front of the entire Legion of night and then become the new legion the mortark of night <laughs> and then release a proper faction with you know more than two units 
Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. No, Vlad's ghost doesn't need to kill Manfred. Like, just Isabella should should kill Manfred for being a punk ass. Make Blood Knights great again. Exactly. I I want to see Blood Knights be great. Give them, I don't know, they're going to have to do a new kit because those old... The out-of-print hundred-dollar-a-box kits aren't just doing it for me anymore, so they need a new kit. Um, and I would love to see a infantry like vampire duelist foot soldier type thing akin to like you know witch elves or something where like you've got like a 30 block a 20 or 30 block of them that would be awesome way awesome put them on 32s if you must i know it makes them less good if they're on 32s but but that'd be great i want to see like 32 mil base like thralls you know namardi thrall style vampires i'll take it yeah, I mean, the Manfred part of the kit can just become generic leader on Nether Beast because the Legion of Night should be far more subtle than riding a gigantic fucking skull mountain into battle. And then, like, give Isabella actual assassin rules where she can hide in fucking units. And, like, how terrifying does that become now? If you have, like, she could be with the Blood Knights moving fast and fucking you up, or she could be hiding in the block of, like, 20 Vampire Thrall unit or whatever. Or 30 block of Thrall unit. And, like, pick your poison. Be fucking awesome. Tristan is... Oh, man. Tristan, I just... Don't take this the wrong way, but I just want to hold you. I just want to make make you feel that it's going to be okay someday. Yes. Replace zombie. You, know, you can keep zombies. Just, like, make them even more useless and make them 40 points. Like, just make them the most useless. They can only move or attack. <laughs> they can't do both. <laughs> like, just make them the worst and make them 40 points so no one ever runs those stupid models ever again. Yeah, that box is... That is box horrible. is brutal. I think that box is as old as me. Yeah, have Chaff be mortals enthralled to vampires. And then you could, like, do some sweet kit bashing stuff with the city's boxes. Like, you can have take all those, all those, those great swords. Yeah, get all the great sorters, get all the glorious salt... Uh, like, get all the glorious codpiece in your army now. Yeah, vampire codpieces. God, he's he's so mad. Trist, I'm sorry, Tristan. I'm sorry that Vin Diesel get all the honey he want. And Vin Diesel, I mean Nagash. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, like, at some point, at some point you're going to have to move on like the entire world has. Eight entire mortal realms have moved on. Rumor has it the ninth mortal realm has actually moved on. <laughs> yeah the corpse cart ones oh, need more Cronenberg oh nice yeah that's a great idea yeah like um, uh, a Gormengast style would be pretty sweet going, going deep with the Gormengast and, uh, and Cronenberg horror references Nurgle just needs a character named the Fly. Mm. 
Do people really want to see bug AOS models? Do people really want that? I wouldn't think so. I think bugs are dumb. I mean, there's a certain faction that loves their spiders. Spoders. No. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. <clears throat> well, we've gone full circle, I think. Yeah, we've too. come we've come back to AOS. <laughs> so I promised I would tell you a story about um about the worst mistake I ever made as a DM. Yes. And uh so so I'll do that and then uh and chat can can be chat and uh and uh we'll see where that gets us. But basically uh so you you on Twitter today uh, you you you'd ask me like uh, you you'd posted the you know a GM basically lives in a constant state of fear, fear of failure uh, to which I replied that like essentially um, a healthy fear of failure um, healthy being a key term in this fear of failure is what as a competitor in Age of Sigmar and a storyteller and an artist. And whatever it is you're doing in your life, a parent, a healthy fear of, of, of failure is what helps you be good. Because if you weren't afraid of failing, you would take everything for granted, slough off, whatever. But with that healthy fear of fa failure, you're always striving to be better. You always have that, that internal voice that says, maybe that wasn't good enough. And then you look at it and you go, blah, right? So that's very important. And like, you know, I'm, I've been a GM of tabletop RPGs for a stupendously long time. And it makes me take for granted that I still have to try because there's a, like, you know, when you have stats memorized in the book, you prepare a lot less because you're like, oh yeah, they're going to fight a green dragon now. And then they do. And you're just like, you know, the dice off the top of your head and you know, the AC and, and so, whatever, you know. And you get really good at freestyling because you know roughly how many hit points a thing should have at that CR for what your party's dishing out. And so you get really good at that and you, you start to you start to slack because you're not afraid of failing anymore. You're just like, I got this. I fucking piss gold. Um And so my worst failure as a DM actually happened really uh, relatively recently in terms of I've had micro failures throughout, but my my greatest failure most recently is uh, the party was dealing with a cultist arc, and this is uh, so I I uh, essentially play tested fifth ed, and then fifth ed went live, and we kept playing that game from from the play test group, and then uh, and then I took over as DM, and I had been play testing it, but then the DM who was like on the inside track is like, okay, I don't want to run this anymore. Uh, you run it, you have the most experience, and so I'm like, okay, cool, I'll run it. Um, so I kind of took their plot line and, uh, and made it mine and I started running it and now we're, you know, half a year in or whatever. The party's like 10th level or so. And, uh, and they're doing a plot line with it. It was called the Cult of Dragonrite, which was essentially this, like, this, uh, worshiping dragons, any dragon as a god, essentially. And not just, you know, like I was bringing back that like classical, really like a classical fantasy trope, 
You know, like if a dragon showed up to a village, it would be like totally a god. And, uh, you know, you exist in a fantasy realm where like, no, there are literal gods like Paylor and shit just like fucking running around doing stuff all the time. Um, so the cult of dragon right, where they like worship dragons, specifically chromatic dragons. And uh, their leader was an evangelist that I had converted from 3.0. And so there was an evangelist class in 3.0 that could give a speech as a free action. <laughs> so put in a free, a free action is a, uh, it's free. A round of combat in D and D is 10 seconds. So within a 10 second round, you can give a whole speech. I found this fascinating as hell. And so I updated it for fifth ed mechanic. And I'm like, I am such a fucking boss of D and D. Cause I remember this obscure ass class and this fucking thing it could do where it gives a speech. And the whole thing is the evangelist would convert people. And so to bring home my narrative that the cult of Dragonrite was this super impressive, terrifying thing because they had a person who could convert you to their religion as a free action. Right? I made an encounter where the whole trope was going to be the, they fight the final big bad evil guy. But within the first three rounds of combat, the party is all dominated. Every one of them is enthralled to him. And then right when he's giving the big bad evil guy speech, a dragon's going to bust in and he's going to scream, fight the dragon, fight the dragon, save me, save me. And so the last order he gives to all these dominated people is this panic thing and then he goes and cowers in the corner. I didn't get to make it. To the part where the dragon busts in and tries to eat him. And so, like, what's cool about the narrative is the dragon busts in and tries to eat him. And he's the cult of dragon, right? So there's, like, a nice little a nice little irony there. You know? The party's ensorcelled, but then the boss fight becomes the dragon. And figuring out how they can put the evangelist in harm's way while trying to fight the dragon. Right? <laughs> I on paper, thought this was the fucking coolest encounter ever. It gets home my narrative about how terrifying the Cult of Dragonrite is, how serious their leader is about converting people. He's got a supernatural power. Which is why you're like, how are people falling for this crap? And they've been doing, you know, a seven-adventure arc of, like, espionage and intrigue. And they finally get him cornered in a room in the Church of Dragonrite, which is underneath the existing church of whatever the that town's deity happens to be. And, like, there's a dragon who's just, like, really pissed off about getting everything wrong about dragons that tries to eat him. Fucking, I'm pissing gold right now. This is the greatest idea a DM has. But it didn't make it past round two. The party was getting fucking pissed. Everyone was... Everyone was falling to the mind controls. The cleric was one of the first ones to like just fail the dice rolls and become mind controlled. And just like, well, I'm the only one who can break the mind control. Fuck this. Blah, 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 blah. And I didn't communicate to them that this combat was going to have an interesting mechanic. Enjoy. Right? Because I thought everyone was on board with how quirky my games get and how weird my mechanics get. And I had taken for granted that this wasn't a group of gamers I had gamed with previously. I had gamed with a couple of them. And a couple party members in particular 
hate losing player agency more than anything. They would rather I kill their character on the spot from a no chance save or die. Like you open up the eye of Mordor and it shoots them with a goddamn laser beam and they're fucking dead. They would rather that happen, no save, than I than I dominate it or take control of their character. Yep. Take away that choice from them, that yep. independence to act. Yep. Yep. And like I made the just these like several mistakes along the way. And what I still defend as a fantastic boss fight for what it was doing narratively speaking and what it was doing mechanically, because now you have a puzzle, a combat puzzle, right? You have to solve the combat puzzle. How do I get the evangelist to get murdered by the dragon? Like, well, following the two, like the two orders we had, you know, save me, save me, kill it, kill it. And like, but it's made me, every time I've done a weird mechanic, it's made me put extra thought into it. So recently within my last campaign, I did the, uh, it might be six seconds. You're right, Katie. Um, no, you're fine, Katie. Um, within my last campaign, I did a, a like, a, they fought a boss who was essentially like a, a demigod for a, for a time, for a time, uh, a time, a god of time. Uh, and it was this this old man who had found this like enchanted pocket watch, and he could keep keep rewinding time, and he had done it so much. It's six seconds. It's true. I just said ten seconds to make it sound more plausible. Yes, ten turns is a minute. I understand. Um. Anyway, uh, he 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 had this like pocket watch and whatever, and so when the party fought him, he had already seen all possible futures and pasts. So any save or die roll failed again. Uh, uh, so you automatically, he automatically passed any save that he had, anything he had to roll a die for, he automatically made the DC on. And any attack roll against him automatically failed because he's already seen all results of the dice. He Dr. Stranged it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. And so, like, basically, of all the probabilities on a D20, it would always favor him. Or always, or it would always favor him, is what 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 the encounters mechanic was in brackets, and so the party basically had to figure out a way to like trick time to beat him, and so you had things like the the ranger instead of shooting her bow because you've contemplated all realities where I shoot my bow through her dagger instead, and uh, the. Uh, the barbarian was like, okay, well, I'm not going to attack him. I'm going to attack the square underneath him. <laughs> I'm like, okay, roll for the square. And, like, he rolled high enough that would have hit the, the thing's natural AC, so he hit the thing instead. Uh, Joe, Haywos was was the best, where he sent me a, a time-stamped, uh, like, screenshots of him rolling the dice from ten minutes ago. And, like, and... And, and sent it to me in my email, knowing I wouldn't check my email for, like, a full turn of combat. And then be like, and then, like, he goes to hit the guy, and he's, and he, he says the, uh, the famous, uh, Animu line, not a weeb, hashtag not a weeb, Mephisto's not a weeb, uh, you're already dead, and then Joe sends me a PM, check your, check your email, I check my email with all the timestamps, and I'm like, you're right, because he rolled it all out, and I'm like, yep, you do that damage, and why was it fun, uh, Physics, to answer your question is because the players got to fight a boss that they hated 
over the course of like three adventures, essentially, and lie to the GM, which is, which is like kind of like the most fun ever is when you get to get away with lying to the GM. That's why it was fun for the players. Or like, it was literally the, I'm a pretty hard ass for the rules, but this was the game, the systems game. The, uh, this is me telling you, you can game the system as hard as you possibly can come up with right now. To all my players. That's why it was fun. Because every player got to come up with how they're gaming the system as hard as possible. And the boss didn't have a ton of HP, so it didn't over... It lasted maybe three turns. So it didn't, like, outstay its welcome. It was long enough to go, here's the puzzle. Oh, okay. And then, like, the gears start turning and people start, uh, like, coming up with plans and formulating them. And then when, when they kill him... Then all of the reward that was, you know, they gained tons of XP. They got the pocket watch in their possession. Like, all these different, like, rewards. Because the reward versus the risk versus the, the strife that they go through was... It, 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 it met it. But I had learned my lesson from the, the no-player agency thing to, to run that encounter. Just this last year. So. Learn from your failures is the simple way of saying it. But... Don't be afraid. Don't be unhealthily afraid of failing as a, as a GM. And that is advice for literally everything. Yeah. To Back to the tournament point, man. I learned more losses. And I think I've heard this echoed across the board. You learn more when you fail um, than when you succeed usually. So, like, your takeaways from those, those moments where you have that, like, I kind of screwed that up. You're going to remember that more so than the times you you get it right yeah i mean and even like you probably on average remember your losses more than you remember your wins on a grand enough timeline i got like a long enough timeline you probably tend to remember the losses a little bit more um you remember the noteworthy like games like i can remember games where i don't remember our grudge match and not because we were drinking because I just remember meeting you and hanging out with you and talking to you. And that was the highlight of that game. I remember the dice being gloriously skewed for me with the, with all the objectives on Star Strike falling right exactly where I was the whole time. But I, can't, I don't remember a single play or decision I made that whole game. You know? I just I just remember learning Nefrata could stack the, the hit. And <laughs> I cried as I was at minus two on everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and see, that's the thing, is, like, you lost that, so you remember a specific thing, right? Like, I don't remember a specific thing beyond the, that one die thing, and but that's just, blah, that's whatever. <laughs> but you remember that specific lesson for Neferata going forward, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so for you... The, the one out of a hundred times I'll see her. <laughs> You're going to see her more. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> Hot tech. Look at the, the tech I'm cooking up with Neferata lists. Um, no, so like, I mean, to, to wrap it all back up pretty nicely is, you know, you know, why even go to a tournament if you don't aim to win? Um, or if you can't win. We can switch it for a don't aim to win to you can't win because, you know, this is your first tournament. Uh, you, you're not bringing filth. You're playing your pet list. You're, you've got your pet army left over from, uh, from Aethet or whatever. Um, there's so many reasons to go to a tournament and a, a healthy fear of failure is one of your best companions 
for getting better at the game of Age of Sigmar. But keep it in perspective. That's where that healthy part comes in. You know, it's okay to like go, I'm going to go realistically one and four, two and three with this list. Just what are the lessons now are you going to take from that? Community lessons, hobby lessons, you know, fuck it. I don't care about the, the win-loss record at all. I just want to meet people. Whatever it is, it's it's one of the greatest games. Talked a ton about D&D and how much I love it. But this is really one of the, the, the greatest games to go out into the wild and just and just play amongst all the trees with all the people you, and, and random wildlife creatures you'll meet all, out and about. <laughs> Anything you want to you wanna wrap, wrap up on? I uh, just appreciate you uh, having me on. I know this is the uh, month of Australia, and I'm as far from uh, kangaroos. Shit! We forgot to make a kangaroo joke. Uh, I made a reference. Okay. Uh, I mean, so. All right, yeah, so there was a kangaroo reference. Uh, no, I'm really happy you were on because, I mean, it's where the the DM bond is strong, and the more I learn about you, the more I realize, like, our, our like, trajectories in AOS have kind of paralleled each other. Um Shoutouts. What do you want to bla- put on blast? Throw it out there. Yeah, so um, certainly, first and foremost, uh, Steve Herner is the the mastermind behind Holy Wars, Holy Havoc, some of my favorite events. He recently started doing um, a YouTube channel uh, where he's showing some of his terrain stuff. So um, Herner's just one of the, he's one of the greatest guys in uh, in the hobby right now. And I mean that from, you know, what, what he does charity wise and tournament wise, just the great dude to chat with. So definitely check out his, um, his channel. And, uh, I think it's, it's, it's Holy, Holy Hammerhorn, I think is the, is the YouTube channel because there's like a whole, there might be a Holy Wars or something like that. Um, but certainly I'll, I'll get the links in the, in the show notes here. Um, I can attest great dude. I ran a tournament once. Total stranger sent him a message because he's who people are like, oh, if you want to talk about like terrain and paintless, talk to him. It was him and Domus were like the two people people told me to talk to in the community. And yeah. uh, as a total stranger, he told me everything. And later on when I was coming with paint schemes for, for Beast of Chaos, he's just like, here you go. So can attest, great dude. Um, and then, so. Yeah, and if, if you're bored, check out... Uh the podcast my my buddies josh and troy and i do with bryce bryce has been often in the chair you uh, mean the intern the well yeah but now he's he's almost the fourth chair i mean we've had him on like three episodes in a row so he's moving on up he's he we're grooming him to replace me um, <laughs> when i when i ride off into the sunset like brett Favre, um on a tractor <laughs> on a tractor on a tractor <laughs> uh, but yeah so playing and slaying would love if you guys come in and give us a listen and uh we're itunes stitcher spotify google you know all the all the places you get your podcasts yeah yeah they they do they do some warhammer uh troy in particular is a big 40k honk so if you're like into 40k troy brings the the 40k love uh you got the aos focus and uh and then just like it's just a wholesome podcast that's sort of like it really talks about, like, the games and, like, you get a little bit of that, like, the creator side of the gaming. Because you do have the the connections to, like, to, to yeah, wearing Wranglers, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, so you do get that that like that awesome vibe. Uh, I appreciate the chance to to hop on though, man. We've been, you know, talking about this and it, it was a blast. Definitely looking forward to seeing the the rest of this month play out for you. Your uh your yeah. your meth methathon methathon yeah <laughs> methathon it sounds like you have got a lisp when you say it so you know it's good um or it sounds like you're drunk which is very wisconsin uh very likely i mean how many more dragon smell can i have tonight those are like 12 percent too they're they're pretty hefty those are like a you need a steak dinner to wash down a dragon's milk they're pretty tasty though yeah they're heavy um yeah uh so next next podcast is actually going to be uh, I'm gonna have Bryce and Christian on, and they're gonna be talking about the elf side of Age of, Sig- of, Age of Sigmar's City of Sigmar uh, tome, and that'll be the closest thing I do to a uh, a battle tome deep dive because I'm just not a. There are tons of great content creators out there for for doing the reading a battle tome to you for two hours. Um, Go watch them, by all means. They're out there. Vince does a fantastic job. Usually, he always has the most relevant guest imaginable, like uh, you know, Artist Wargamer, um, Coach Doom. Like they all do it. It's it's great. Um, I I'm interested in like I'm interested in that like that off kilter sort of vibe. Uh, Christian Ware is Australian AF. What are you talking about? <laughs> um but yeah christian f and where <laughs> christian f and where yeah so christian f and where and so that'll actually be a new format thing is we're gonna have we're gonna have two talking heads uh joining me so uh that'll be experimental uh i've got joel mcgrath coming up i've got uh mr cinderfall gaming himself luke stone coming up so a lot of so we do get back to the oz base the the oztober <laughs> uh, base there um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, I was really happy to do this. Let's do this again. Or maybe I'll invade the basement of death sometime. Well, I was, I was going to say, I'll float that out there. We'll, you know, Tristan wants some more D and D we'll have a, a D and D show on planet's land and, Ooh. uh, bring, bring you on for the, yeah. the true behind the DM screen storytellers, yeah. you know? sit down and talk about narrative. oh yeah actual process how you write an adventure we'll get into the yeah. really we'll deep, deep stuff we'll go deep, deep. yeah yeah double d deep all right thanks again <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning in yeah it's been a blast thank you chat thank you Muff. good night everybody <laughs>